is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroud. All right, and I think we are live. We'll do it live. How is everybody? Doing good. Live. Hello, hello, hello. All right. Well, it is uh, Saturday, April. April? No, it's not April. It's July the twenty second. We are live for Coco Talk number eighteen, the nation's leading premiere live weekly talk show about the Tandy Color Computer. Just ignore the fact that it's the only live color computer talk show. It is still the leading. We are leading out on all of our non-competitors right now. So We have all of the top five spots. <laughs> <laughs> it is a glorious thing. And I am joined by my uh, cast of characters here from uh, right to left here. We'll do this in Arabic. We've got Richard Lorbieski. We have Grant Leedy. We've got Neo from The Matrix, David Ladd. We have L. Curtis Boyle and uh, Mark Overholzer. Hello, everybody. Hello. And, Hello. and Jerry Adams just joined us in the chat. Um, yeah, Rick just hello. mentioned he can't join because he's having some DSL problems. So ah, bummer. Jerry Adams says I have my popcorn and my TRS-80 ready. And here we have Simon Jonasson is trying to call in right now. And hello, Simon. Do you read? Uh, All right. So the main focus for today's Coco Talk is going to be uh, Nick Morentis's favorite thing on the planet. And that is OS9. What is OS9? Well, it is the premier multi-user, multitasking operating system for the Tandy Color Computer. And uh, we're going to look at it today. We're going to play with it today. We're going to demystify OS9. And we're going to bring it down to the human level, where if I can use it, then any idiot can use it, because I am not just any idiot. And hey, Davey Mitchell is here. Hello, Davey. Thank you for calling. Uh, somebody else right now is trying to call into a group call, and that's not going to work. That might be Jay or somebody. Whoever's trying to call us right now, you need to call me directly. I can't add a group to a group. So... Just try to call me directly on Skype. Um, hello, uh, Jerry Adams. So before we get into the main focus of today's talk, the little segment I like to start with that usually falls completely flat on its face is, how's everybody doing and how was your week this week and what exciting or not exciting happened to you this week? Anybody want to kick off with that? Just work. <laughs> Just work. <laughs> <laughs> still rush season. I'm still swamped. I'm still working overtime. Uh, Jerry oh, Adams. One brief aside. I can add. I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Curtis. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just I just remember one thing. Um, actually, I'm so overburdened with work. I'm actually having Bill Noble coming over tomorrow. I'm gonna like he, I used to work with him in this industry years ago, and. Um, He's actually not as busy as he used to be with his work, so he's actually be coming by tomorrow to kind of get back up to snuff on things, and he'll start helping me on occasion when I get too busy. He'll do some work in the evenings and weekends for me. So. Oh wow! So you're gonna and outsource. that's harkening back to our old Cocoa days when we wrote Nitrous Nine. We worked together. 
we did it at work. So, and that's also upholding the current cocoa tradition of using cheap Canadian labor whenever possible. So, go ahead, five k because that that's way more interesting than my little story. <laughs> hey, Steve well, actually, Powell, go ahead, Grant. Yeah, actually, uh, I got it installed. Uh, it was actually very easy after watching uh, Steve's uh, cocoa surgery here. What I think that was on Tuesday night. So, it's I was been able a to fun get week. the uh, Sierra games up and running and everything. So I'm all, I'm happy. Yeah, that was kind of a first for me too. Doing any type of um, under the hood surgery on a cocoa of any kind. So um, seeing how it wasn't that complicated was kind of nice, you know, and I'm actually kind of tempted to maybe buy a couple more of these uh, triad boards since they're newer and they run cooler uh, to hopefully prevent my cocoa from overheating and things like that. So it's also got me thinking of a creative way to maybe put some type of fan inside the cocoa, to, like how the PCs have fans that exhaust heat out, out of mm -hmm. them. Uh, maybe figure out a, a, a creative way to jerry-rig a, a fan into the um, cocoa. Uh, a lot of to, people did uh, that back in the day, especially if they had one and two meg upgrades. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. There are some things you can do to a cocoa that are not super complicated and don't require a soldering iron. Um, this is one of those. So if uh, uh, the, the easiest way to say if I'm kind of the measuring stick on the complexity of something. So if I can do it, any idiot can do it. So, <laughs> so there you have Grant, it. Like he was asking if you needed any special tools and stuff like to snip the capacitors. And I said, I've used toenail clippers on occasion. Works yeah, I, um, I, <laughs> I use little screwdrivers, but I had actually ordered and they just came in. So I have my IC pullers and I was hoping to use these to pull out my CPUs, but they weren't here in time. So this is a traditional IC puller, right? This, this one would probably work very well on the CPU, right? I'll, I'll make my camera big for just a second here, right? So here's a normal IC puller, right? So this is kind of good. And then I got this other one here that I think is perfect for the gimme. And that's this little guy right here. And this little guy here would probably grab into each of the two corners of the gimme and pull him out pretty easily as well. And so both of these were like six bucks that I got uh, off of eBay. So um, cool stuff. So, but yeah, in the meantime, a screwdriver and a steady hand, a steady yet delicate hand will definitely work. Um, cool stuff. So I, yeah, I did a little bit of cocoa surgery this week. Sounds like a grant, uh, added Ram. He did his first upgrade. That's very cool. Um, grant, uh, Rick Adams, welcome to the call. Hopefully you'll stay on this time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, what else is going on? Anybody else have anything cool happening in the world of retro this week? Um, well, the only thing with me is I finally got some of my components in that I can start assembling my um, updated mouse adapter. Oh, very cool. Cool. And so this is basically a circuit board that's going to allow you to plug a, a PS2-style mouse connection from like the old PC mice into a little doohickey that will then plug into a Cocoa. Yes. And this will go straight to the six-pin, five- or six-pin DIN of the joystick port? Yes. And so it'll be a standard resolution. It won't be the super high resolution, but with the newer software that the so that will support high resolution, that'll still work well, right? Well, since it's just basically converter, if you have um, like the Radio Shack's high res joystick interface, uh, you have the modified one that was I think for was it Color Max or 
Max M- 10, whichever one ha- came with that modified version of the Tandy's. Coco Max. Um, or the new high-res routines, it doesn't matter. This is just an in-between. Um, I'm using okay. the full um, 12 bits that the DAC supports, so it doesn't matter. Okay. So, so that'd even work with that. Eric Averlek's new Color Max 3 patched for the high-res routines that Sock and Nick did. Yes, that's actually what I've been using to test it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very cool. So that's pretty so, much it. Okay. And so my week this week in the world of retro has consisted with first bringing back my two Coco 3s to life, which are very helpful and necessary for us to show off OS 9 this week. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, had a neat interview with Mike Rowan. I'm not sure how many of you got to see that, but that, that was, was cool. Uh, that was neat, and that's something I've been wanting to do for a while. I had pitched that to Mike a little while ago, saying, listen, what you do is pretty cool, and uh, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I don't know if the podcast wants to interview you, but I think this is something that's more visual. It kind of lends itself to a video interview, and I'd love to see how you do what you do. You know, And I learned quite a bit, and of course, he makes it look easy. Um, because he knows what the heck he's doing, but there are um, certain benefits to having some, you know, user-friendly software like like a lot of those Mac tools that he's using. So uh, it's kind of inspired me to want to, and I now have inherited a couple of Macs that are functional. So I'm going to probably start messing around with some Mac production software similar to what he does. I don't have his same level of talent or capabilities, but the software will empower me to suck a little less, I guess. So Yeah. The loops uh, thing, like the garage band he's showing off, that's what I use for doing the recordings I did for you as well, except I'm pumping in live, you know, guitar tracks. And, mm-hmm. But I was also using loops and the drum machine and the you know automatic drummers and stuff too. So there's a lot of cool stuff. In fact, I didn't know that's what Mike was using. We could even collaborate. I could provide guitar tracks for some of his... Ah, synthesizer stuff so, so there you go yeah well he also plays guitar but yeah i'm sure it'd be nice to have other musicians because you know when you're making your own music you're, it's only going to be that way right so it's going to yeah. be the way you play to get somebody else to come in and do a lead on top of something is going to be a different lead because it's a different you know yeah it, musician. It, that does help i mean i have done collaborative stuff before when we did the uh, theme song for twit tv's uh, in other news podcast that only lasted two years and then i has left but it was a collaboration between Ayaz playing bass, Dwayne, whom you've met before, playing mm-hmm. electronic drums, and then me providing two guitar tracks. So that was all collaborated yeah. that way. Yeah. Cool stuff. So, yeah, so that was kind of fun. Um, yesterday mm-hmm. I recorded a, a, an official gameplay video of the Pac-Man Transcode, and um, that was pretty good. I enjoyed playing that. That was kind of fun. I, I realized after I had already uploaded the video that I played the wrong version. I was still playing the 1.0 version that wasn't patched to fix the gimme sparkles. Um, and so I do have that version. And when I first tested it, I tested it on that one. But when I loaded up the disk image, I loaded up the wrong one. So I actually showed the sparkles in my video. And by the time I was done, I'm like, screw it, dude. I'm not recording this crap again. Deal with it. <laughs> but uh, it's a fun game. I mean, I know we looked at it when we were interviewing um, Glenn and Glenn was talking about it. So it's one thing to kind of look at it, but it's another thing to actually sit down and actually play it, you know, and it was actually very fun and rewarding to play the game. I mean, it's Pac-Man, but Pac-Man is kind of a fun game, and it's, it's kind of got the cool factor that it's now Pac-Man on a Coco, you know. 
Yeah, the the, the the Coco's actually turning into an old version of MAME right now. We've got an official Donkey Kong, official yeah. Pac-Man, official Space Invaders. Yeah, and so today, um, and so here, uh, last night, I recorded Bedlam, right? So you may remember us talking about Mateo. Mateo and Facebook held up the picture of my DVD that's got Bedlam as the cover. We got a couple of uh, discussions going. I'm like, I need to record Bedlam. So last night for Craps and Giggles, I did a dry run. I'm like, let me just try this one time. Let's see how long it takes. Let's see how well I do. And I was actually able to play it and finish it on my first try. And I haven't touched Bedlam in 30-something years. So um, I was actually able to escape through one of the painted doors that Picasso painted on the wall. That was the uh, way out this time. Um, I remember several different ways. I remember at least two. I remember that one, and I remember another one where if you poison the dog, um, that was another way. But I didn't find the dog or anything else. So it's like the memories are not all quite there. But even though it's kind of a small scale um, adventure that you're in, there's you know probably maybe two dozen rooms at best. It's a small scale, but it, there is an interesting dynamic to it because it's never quite the same game. Yeah. Now, um, what I haven't done now is put all that footage together and see how long it is because I have a feeling it's going to be a long video, and I want to, you know, this is my biggest challenge: is how is this going to play out on YouTube. Is this going to be interesting to watch? And I guess the the, the verdict will come in later. Um, but, you know, Coco Talk, people watch this crap. So maybe somebody <laughs> will watch that crap too. So. <laughs> um, so I did Bedlam. I'll release that in a day or two. And then this right before the call today, I played uh, Bomb Threat. I got one of the latest um, disc images from Rick on Bomb Threat. And I discovered something very interesting because I played the Color Computer 3 version, which is brand new. It is now able to generate the artifact colors via RGB. So the red and blues show up on an RGB monitor. Um, when you play it in composite on the Color Computer 3 version, the screen shakes when the bombs go off. And um, I don't know that Rick knew that it did that because I don't think he's been playing it on real hardware. So that was kind of a neat um, effect, and I've recorded that video. It's actually uploaded, but it's not public yet. So I thought maybe we can show that off too sometime today during the talk. So I've actually had a fairly productive cocoa week this week. It was probably the first time in a while that I've gotten this much cocoa work done in, in one week's time. So um, so that's been my week, man. So. Anybody else? Doing anything Good. interesting this week in the world of retro? Nope, Ben Slacken. Ben Slacken. Now, somebody did, uh, Richard Cavell, of course, you don't need to ask. You're in the call. Just listen, nobody here has any manners. So you're British, so we'll, we'll forgive <laughs> <Okay>. you. <laughs> Hi, I normally have the microphone on mute so, um, so that I don't uh, disrupt anything. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that I've been experimenting with assembly code. And um, I decided to do a little project just to, you know, test my assembly language abilities. And it's up on GitHub at the moment. And I wanted to invite anyone who wants to take a look at it to just go ahead and uh, download it and see what they think of it. And I'm looking for, you know, criticism, feedback, that kind of thing, because I'm still learning. Okay. Well, if you want, if you... I, I don't think you can post a link in the YouTube chat just yet, so... Just post anything you want in the YouTube chat, and I'll make you a moderator, and then you'll be able to post a link straight to YouTube, and that way anybody watching will have the link to try it out. Okay. 
And by the way, anybody who's in the chat right now, if you guys would like to join us in Skype, you're welcome to join us in Skype. You just need to add me as a contact first. Um, just uh, add OG Stevie Stroh as a Skype contact, and we'd love to bring you into the call. Uh, it'd be nice to not have to listen to Curtis and David Ladd all the time. So, um, <laughs> although for today's call, we're actually going to need to listen to Curtis. So, <laughs> okay, okay. He, I'm still waiting for my mute Steve button, but anyway. <laughs> You okay. don't have power yet. So how do I click on Richard Cavell and make him a moderator? Hold on. I, I think you uh, add moderator. Okay. It looks like you. It looks like the link worked, but I don't know if you put um, HTTP in front of it. So you you might want to do it again. But no, yeah, that, that's the point. Is I removed the HTTP so that it would post. Okay. Okay. So we got you. We got you in there, and if you want to post it again now with HTTP, it'll actually work. Um, Most web apps, if you just paste it in the URL line, it'll take you there. That's true. That's true. All right. So do we want to go ahead and start looking at OS 9 here? Go for it. Do we want to jump in? All right. Uh-oh, here comes Nick Marentis. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're doomed. I that on purpose. <laughs> Nick Marentis. <laughs> Hello, Nick. Okay, Nick, so how, exactly how do you make a boot file? <laughs> okay, in the right hand corner we have Nick. Uh, the always <laughs> not <laughs> The fight commence. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Nick, this would not be an OS uh, would not be an OS nine episode without Nick Marentos here, and, um, <laughs> the greatest OS nine advocate. Uh, yep. So, the professional OS nine troll. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am Russians. <laughs> I am on a real Coco three. This is not an emulator. Um, and so what I'm going to do right now is what I've done to start with, just as a, a, a form of comparison, is I have level one and level two that I downloaded from the Color Computer Archive. And I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to be able to show it off other than just showing you what it looks like. But let's go ahead and open up um, OS. Oh, shoot. What an idiot. I don't know what the hell I just did here. So hold on just a second. Must be running an okay. RSDOS program. <laughs> All right. So it's uh, Shift M to mount the disk and press Enter to boot. Here we go. So we are booting up. Uh, this is this is the original OS9 level one. Now I downloaded this from the Color Computer Archive, and so this is level one version 2.01, and it's looking like here. They've, this has actually been patched by um, Phoenix release from 2002. So this is this is obviously not the uh, stock version, but it is a version, and of course, it's asking me for the date and time. Which I, now, this is what I found funny when I went to look between level one and level two. Level one actually let me input a four-digit date. Level two only let me put in a two-digit date. So it's unfortunately level two is not Y2K compliant. The the original level one, like this is a patch one in 2002, so obviously uh, they fixed the date in this one. But the okay, original this level is one post Y. Okay, this is post Y2K. Yeah, and so just then, like Nitrous 9 and OS 9 have had patches to, to get the Y2K to work as well. Right, so when, so back in the 80s when you booted up uh, 1983 9, is when this came out. Just okay, 1983. When you booted up OS 9 level 1 off of a floppy, it looked like this. And this was, this was actually required 64K, correct? Yes. 
And and at some point in time, Tandy said, if we're going to release any new games on Floppy, they need to support OS 9. Tandy was really behind OS 9. Um, that was more in level 2 days, because level 1 days was a mix. You had a few games that were level 2. Okay. But a lot of the stuff like Flight Sim 2 was not, and a few others. Um, Sands of Egypt. I mean, it does use the DOS command, but it never booted OS 9. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So right now, there's not. This is a floppy. There's not a lot on here. So when I type in dir, I, now I can see that there's a cmds folder. And and even though I've never used OS nine, I understand operating systems and command prompts. So the cmds is like kind of like the slash dos directory of a dos floppy or a dos hard drive, right? There's an environmental path. So if I typed in dir space cmds, I should be able to see all the various commands. And so everything is a command. Unlike like in, in dos with command.com, dir was an internal command. In this case here, dir is an actual external command from the uh, command yeah. in interpreter, right? So um, there's a couple very small commands built into the shell, like the command.com type thing, but not, not right. much. So there's a there's a bunch of commands here in this CMDS folder. And like one of the commands I remember, because I did get a crash course from Bill Noble a couple days ago, like the startup file is kind of like auto exec bat, right? Yeah. And so if I typed in list space startup, this would actually show me the contents of that file. And actually, the only thing it did right now is prompt for the time. Yeah. Okay, so the initial startup file here, whatever. Now, there's only one terminal open right now, so I could not switch to the clear key and switch to another terminal and multitask. There was no right windowing now. in level one. Okay, so level one, was it still multitasking or was it not multitasking? Yeah. No, it was multitasking. You could run process in the background using the ampersand. Okay. Um, which wasn't all that useful with a single screen. It was better if you had, like, one thing level one did support was terminals on the RS-232 pack. So you could do a shell out to, you know, slash T2, which would be RS-232 pack, and then, like, use an 80-column VT100 terminal or something and actually run that simultaneously with the screen you're looking at now. Okay. And so this is where I was... What I'm trying to wrap my brain around is when you talk about OS 9 being... I understand multitasking, but the minute you start to say multi-user, how the hell do you get a second person to work on the same computer? And I think you just answered that. It has to be through yep. serial. And, and that is literally the way a lot of mainframe stuff worked, and that's how Unix worked back in the day. Before we started doing everything over IP, is you had like the old WISE terminals, the dumb terminal that was just a keyboard and mouse, and it was an I.O. device, right? Yeah. And that would be adapted to a Coco serial port. Yeah, or you could do it through the modem like we used to log in. Like when we, okay, we ran our modem. super work system with eight terminal ports on it, and we had eight uh, terminals and computers set up at work that you could log into, but we also had an external line that we could phone in from home if we had to fix something without having to come down to the plant. Now, if I wanted to really geek out, which I won't have time today, since I, since, and I'm not bragging, but I have more than one color computer, just saying. <laughs> could you log into what? Could I log into one of my Cocos from another Coco via yes. like a null modem cable? Yeah. <laughs> that is an exercise in insanity, but I'm going to try it one day <laughs> just for craps and giggles. It does uh, work. I'm going to take this Coco and log into that Coco, and I'm going to use my Coco as a terminal. Um, that's kind of cool. All right, so that was OS 9 Level 1. It's pretty good, right? Everybody like it? I, I will mention a couple of quick things about OS 9 Level 1. Um, oh, crap. Version <laughs> 1, yeah, just because I wanted Nick to fall asleep. Um, <laughs> version 1 and 101 were basically just bug fixes to each other. They came out in 1983. These, actually, they were announced simultaneously with, with the 64K Coco when it came out in September 83. Uh, version 2 had a couple of extra features that came out a couple years later. 
Um, they fixed a few things, like the disc descriptors used to be hard-coded so that if you stuck an 80-track drive on it, you couldn't easily do it, use it properly. Level or Version 2 of OS 9 Level 1 fixed that so it works where you could set up your drives however you want. And a hidden feature, which um, I don't know too many people know about, but in version 2, is that you also supports the uh, T1 VDG chip. So there's a little setting you could do that you could actually turn the lowercase on, and you could run ah. the whole loss in a true lowercase. Neato. And I know level 2 did that automatically. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, else can I, what else can I look at right now while I'm on this floppy before I move over to level 2 that's worth showing off? Um. I, well, Basic 09 will run on a 32-column screen if you want to take a... Do I just type in Basic 09? Yeah, I don't know if it's on this disk or if it's on the second disk, though. I can't remember we'll how find out. set up. Okay, so I will I will press the button on my thing to... i got to find a pen. Okay. Uh, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll show it in level two. We'll show it's it off. Same, well, or or we can language. show it off it's in just... Nitrous 9. And, and I should point out, too, for, the, for anyone who is not quite aware of who Curtis Boyle is, but Curtis Boyle is one of the people responsible for creating the original Nitrous 9 project, right, Curtis? It was you and Bill Noble, and was who else was involved in that? Scale. Who's that? Wes Gale. Wes Gale. So that was the yeah. three of you? He was the head of Gale Force Enterprises. He did the installer. He did the manuals. Okay. And now, I did you guys... If Wes ever hears or sees this, I, I would love him to give me or Bill a call. I have to apologize to him for something that happened years ago. Um, and then I'd also like to thank him for all the work he did put into it. Was it was was heavy drinking involved in this apology? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just a bad set of circumstances and yeah. timing stuff. And I didn't I didn't handle it as well as I could have. Uh, that way, well, that, yeah, that would be cool. Definitely would be cool. Um, so, so you and Bill and Wes were involved in creating the first incarnation of Nitrous 9, which we will get to. But the main thing about the original Nitrous 9 was you took the OS 9 Level 2 and decompiled it, disassembled it, and rewrote it to run natively on a 6309 for performance tweaks. And then from there, you added better features to some of the utilities or added utilities, etc. So um, your version of Nitrous 9 was truly an enhancement over the original. Okay, very cool. So this was OS 9 Level 1. Goodbye, OS 9 Level 1. We miss you already. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Radio Shack's store-wide manager's red tag sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay goodness. To get your very own gameplay goodness DVDs featuring color computer games played by the original gamer Stevie Stroh, visit 8bit256.com and grab yourself a Coco Gaming DVD today. That's 8bit256.com for all of your gameplay goodness needs. So I'm going to reboot my Coco. Uh, and by the way, this is all made possible through the Coco SDC and Coco SDC Explorer. So now we'll go to level two. RS-DOS program makes sense. <laughs> all right, so we are now booting up OS 9 level two.
OS 9 Level 2, version 2.00.01, copyright 1986 by Micro. Now, you notice right away that even though it's in 32 columns, it has defaulted to lowercase because Level 2 was developed for the Coco 3, correct? Yes, and it only runs on the Coco 3. Only runs on the Coco 3. Well, so it runs on a bunch of other Level 2 systems from Gimmicks and Smoke Signal Chieftain and a bunch of other companies. But as far as Radio Shack went, Coco 3 only. Coco 3 only. Okay. And the first thing I noticed right away, in addition to the lowercase, is the beautiful pink cursor right here. So That's because it's defaulting right now to composite mode. That was the other thing. It, it defaulted to composite because most people bought the Coco 3. Didn't ah, get the CM8 right off the okay. bat. Okay. So what is that? Um, what's the Mon command? type space R. Mon type space R for RGB. Yeah. Yeah. There we and go. Now it's a nice blue. See how improved that right. is? <laughs> that is much better. So now I could edit my startup. All right. And I could change that. I could put that file in there. Ooh, is there no file here? No, I, this is the, uh, <laughs> you're using a line editor. Edit It's not the greatest editor. Okay, well, how do I get out of here? Control Q? Uh, just Q, I think. All right, so how do I edit my startup? Uh, let's just list it first and see what's in there. Because I, I can't remember what stock has, to be honest, honest. Okay, so there's a set time and there's a date. Welcome message. Welcome to OS9. Yeah. So you got to add mon type bar. Add? I have to add it, but yeah, how do I get into that? Hey, there's Simon. Hey, Simon, how are you? All right, we're, we're, screw it. We're not going to mess with that. Yeah, what can I... What, we're not going to be using regular OS9 level yeah, 2. What can I do right now to show off OS9 level 2? I can do shell space i equals slash w1 ampersand. Okay, so right away, this is one of the things I'm noticing when I type dir. I see that the directories are in uppercase. And one of the things that Bill had mentioned to me is it's kind of the unwritten rule that when you make a directory, that should be in all caps and that your file Perhaps should be in. It's not enforced, but it just makes it easier to figure out. It makes it easier to spot. So when I list a directory right now, I can see that CMDS commands as a directory and sys is a directory, right? So, okay, and what was did the thing? Did Bill tell you about the E option under? No. If you do dir space E, Extended directory. Ah, you like your creation date and time and um, yeah, sector number and a bunch of other crap. Which completely if you're hurting side, my eyes right now. Yeah, this is this is more meant for calm or forty column screen. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. This is completely not eyeball friendly right now. Um, <laughs> much like uh, Curtis and David Ladd, I should say. <laughs> I'll take care of you later, Steve. I'll take care of you later. All right. So, what was the thing you said I can do to make the screen different? I uh, just do a shell space i equals slash w one ampersand. I and everybody take notes of this. Shell equals i equals w one slash ampersand. No, it's slash w one ampersand. I equals w one slash before the w one. Start over. I equals slash slash w w one ampersand ampersand. Very important where your slashes and ampersands go. All right. Now I'm gonna hit enter. Okay. So that just returned back that you just created a new process called which is process number three. Okay. And you can hit clear. Ah, now I'm in another window. Ooh, and this one's graphical. Actually, no, it's text, but uh, you, you could do multiple text windows on the same physical screen, which is what this kind oh, of Oh, because this is 40-column text, then. It's 40-column, but it's only using part of it, so you could add another window, say, below it, 
and have two separate programs running on two halves of the same screen. Even in How do I do that? I'm trying to remember what the defaults like. We're all using all the defaults from level two back from 1986. You try shell i equals slash w2 ampersand and see if that creates a second one on the screen. I honestly can't remember. Now, does it remember the commands I've typed in before? No, not on this one. No, not on a new window because you created a new keyboard buffer in a new window. Shell equals. I equals. Shell equals. Nope. Shell space. Shell space. I equals. I, I equals slash. slash two. W2 ampersand? Yeah. Ooh. I can clear to that one. You can tell which one's active by where the cursor is. Okay. So here's... <laughs> look at that. How do you switch windows? Clear. Clear. The clear key. Clear to go forward or shift clear to go backwards through your windows. Okay, so it's, okay. it cycles through. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I now have three um, terminal windows open. Yeah. Now, now, now do... Uh, the shell i equals slash w three. Christ, we're getting we're getting into inception at this point here, aren't we? Okay. Shell e shell i equals slash w three ampersand. Oh <laughs> my God! I'm glad Dave remembers what all the default windows were because I couldn't. Okay, David Ladd is the man. Very, very cool. So we can see, <laughs> you can see here already, wow. we are starting to see that I can multitask the dir command in multiple windows. And eat your heart out, RS-DOS. RS-DOS can only dir once at a time here. I can multi-dir here. I can <laughs> dir to my heart's content. Hey, you can I actually, in each one if you wanted to. Yeah, I could, yeah. So here I could do CD, CMDS. And I could dir the hell out of that one. Why is that not working? Oh, yeah. The stock level 2 used CHD. CHD for change directory? Yeah. We had so many requests from people used to DOS using just CD that it's basically built into Nitrous 9 now. Okay. So, yeah, I have different directories open. So, this is a stock install of Nitrous 9 level 2, which was also released, created by Microware, released via Tandy. And this required a Color Computer 3. And so now we're looking at Nitrous 9 level 2 off of a floppy. And having, an, having a, a highly capable operating system off of floppies, I would imagine, was very limiting, right? Having to do it the floppy shuffle. It wasn't too bad shuffle. if you had at least a 40-track double-sided or an 80-track double-sided drive, which it built in supported. But that wasn't what most people had at the time. So, yes, it was quite limiting. Jerry Jerry Adams is asking, where can I get a Coco SDC? Well, you can get them from Ed Snyder. I have a link to Ed Snyder's uh, Zipster Zone on my homepage, which is um, uh, ogstevestro.com. Uh, and so you can get to it there. If you're on the Facebook group, you can reach out to him there. If you're on the Coco mailing list, you could reach out to Ed Snyder, a.k.a. the Zipster as well. Um, Grant Leedy is calling back. Should we let him in? Let's put it to a vote. Are we letting Grant back in? Yeah, why not? All in favor? <laughs> All right, so... You have the power. <laughs> All right, so Grant. Oh, Barry Nelson is calling. Okay. Barry Nelson is here from the Wild West. Okay, so now we have just kind of peeked at the stock OS 9 Level 2. Are we ready to jump into the deep waters of multi-user multitasking and take a look at Nitrous 9? Are we ready, people? Now, this right. one, if I remember correctly, Bill made you a hard drive image for Yes, he Nitrous did. 9? Okay. Yes. Okay, so so far we looked at level one off of a floppy. We just finished looking at level two off of a floppy. We are now going to look at Nitrous 9 
on a virtual hard disk. Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer Stevie Stroke. And I love that the Coco SDC is Nitrous 9 aware. Okay. Yeah, that's, what I, so, that's what I use as well. And so I'm now booting up to a virtual hard drive that, um, it, that was given to me by Bill Noble, um, Curtis's partner in crime, one third of the original Nitrous 9 team. Curtis, Bill, and Wes for the original Nitrous 9 team. And what I'm looking at right now is the initial login screen. And this has defaulted to 80 columns. And not only is it defaulted to 80 columns, but I've also modified the startup file on this one to um, default to um, uh, RGB. So the mon type is RGB here. And also um, here we've done the shell equals I, uh, shell I equals W2, W3, and W4. So this is automatically launching three more windows. So when I boot into this thing, I've got four terminal sessions open. So I'll be able to switch around between terminals and show off some of the multitasking ability of this one. So this is the first terminal and this one says term. So that's like the primary console, correct? Okay, so when I hit clear and I've gone over to my um, second screen, now this says W2 for my second window. And from here, I can actually launch like G shell. And this is the graphic shell. This is not multi view, correct? Multi view is a different application? Nope, this is multi view. This is multi view? Yeah. Multi view is a package. It's got the G shell thing, but it's also got the utilities like the clock, the calendar, control panel, that kind of thing. Okay, kind of desk matey. Yeah. Um, does, now, does I see we should have set the colors better than the default. But yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. I'm also trying to get my joystick back. Barry Nelson's calling back in. Or is he on the call? Okay. Which which joystick do I need to plug in here for this thing to work like a mouse right now? It, it depends on how it's configured. You can have it set for either one. You can change it too. So I don't know is what it, you have it defaulting to. Okay. I keep getting a pop-up that Barry Nelson's trying to call, but it goes away before I can click on it. Um, <laughs> Okay, so right now, okay, so uh, control Q, control clear, right? Yeah, for keyboard mouse on off. Okay, so how do I, I'm trying to get my mouse going. I don't remember which joystick port it needs to go in. I just there it is, here's my mouse. Okay, so Bill Noble has, if, if I click on the Tandy logo here, he has under control panel it defaulting to his preferred color scheme, which is kind of like a baby blue. And then from here, you can kind of see this pseudo 3D look to it. Um, here's my mouse pointer. We have the scroll windows on the side. There's a little bit of a 3D look to these scroll guys here. This isn't an 80. Okay, Barry Nelson. Is, is Barry, are you in the call or are you not in the call? Because you keep showing up on my screen. I don't know. Okay. So, 
So here we go. This is graphic shell, and this is how I could browse the hard drive graphically. So what slash DD is the hard drive? Yeah. And if I double click that, I am now going to see at a blistering now, Technically, speed. DD stands for default drive. You can have it as a RAM drive, a floppy uh, drive, a hard drive. Now, whatever. what I am not sure about on this one, because and Bill's not with us because he's working right now. When I say he's not with us, he hasn't left the earth or anything, gone to the afterlife. He's just uh, at his job. But um, the disk image that Bill sent me has a module baked into it to talk to DriveWire to get a real-time clock. And I don't know if I've gotten the fixed one that has got DriveWire removed. And since I don't have DriveWire connected via a serial cable, this might actually be running slower than um, it would on a on a normal system. But but yeah, so this is basically the graphical way to to view things. Now, Curtis, if um, you, will your play command work from the GUI? If you have an AIF file set up to do it, it will. If not, you'd have to set that up first. Okay. So I want to try to do your play command from the GUI, and if not, we'll do it from the um, from the uh, command prompt. But and I need I need to also share system sound with you guys so you can hear it because that was actually um, pretty impressive to hear this. So under ASM, under sound, I think it was, or I don't. I, gosh, I wish I wish he yeah. was here. I don't remember where he had it either. Games. Was it's it in under the games? Folder? Oh, I just hear Bill. Is that Bill calling in? No, it's it's Barry Nelson. Barry keeps kind of dropping and falling off. Okay, so now under here, here's Warcraft. Um, and then inside Warcraft, he's got a sound folder. And then inside here, he's got a bunch of WAV files. So oh. can I... Hey, Barry, can you hear us? Yeah, I'm sorry about it. I dropped off. The, I was on the call. I dropped off. Sorry no, about you, that. You dropped back on. Okay. Um, now, see, this is taking a while to open. Okay, that's actually not that bad. Okay, if I double-click a WAV file, will it play it from here? I don't know. Like, normally you have AI files. If you remember the old way that Windows used to work with, what was it, PIFs way back in the day? which identifies what extensions run with right. programs. Right. If he hasn't got an AIF set up for play yet, and he just installed it, so I'm guessing he probably didn't, it probably won't. Okay. But you can kind of cheat a little bit here. Hit the S key. S on the keyboard? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I don't think he fixed the drive wire, because that shouldn't be taking that long. Is, uh, okay, so is this like basically opening up a shell? Yeah, but in your current directory, so you don't have to change all the way through it. So okay. Now and you can just really type play, and then one of the... Yeah, it's really hard to see. Yeah, okay. the, I wasn't the best color set he picked there. <laughs> how uh, how can I close this window? Uh, just type ex. Ex for exit. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna open up a third one. Cd asm. Cd games. You can you can path it all together with slash too. You don't have to do it all separate. That's a lot of work. Less work than typing it every time. Oh, shut <laughs> up. It's Warcraft, not Wordcraft. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen. If I need any comments from the peanut gallery, I'll visit the circus, okay? <laughs> well, you are part of the circus already, so watch it. <laughs> CD SND. Does the shell do tab completion, or do you have to manually type everything? Uh, the, the shell that he's running now, as long as it's the full version of Shell Plus, the up and down arrows will give you command history, and you can use shift right and uh, to reprint the last or whatever command you've gone through your command history to do. And then you can go back and forth and overtype. Okay, I'm but hoping Bill got that fixed because I know it wasn't quite set up properly for that. 
And so if I type in play ready.wave, this is your player command, Curtis, right? So we're going to hear OS9 play a WAV file. And I didn't hear it on mine either. I didn't hear it, no. Is it a really quiet one? (laughs) No, it is. um, Let me crank this up to 11. Um, What's a command I can do to get the bell? What is it, display 07? Display yeah. Display 07? Okay, did you did you guys hear that? Yeah, I heard. Yep, heard okay. Me. Play ready.wave. Your command master. Your command master. Okay, somebody's not muted cuz I'm hearing it twice now. Somebody doesn't have headphones on or something, but that's okay. Um Okay, did you guys hear that? Your command. Yes. Your command master. That's the orc voice from Warcraft. So, that's your that so this is the updated image that has Curtis's uh, play command. The one we tried demoing earlier in the week, the play command was all jacked up. So apparently when you go to download OS 9 from the repository, there's kind of a mixed bag of some of the utilities and not all of them are up to date. Um, That's and one I think, thing we'll be working on. We want to make a master, and, and Nick's talked about this before too, to make a master Coco SDC compatible hard drive image that has all the latest stuff already pre-installed and ready to go so people don't have to worry about making boot files and trying to find the latest versions of this and that and just make one nice solid 512k required ready to go system right 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 and so and so there's a play command um if i was to can i do a cd if i want to get to the root of the games directory can i do cd uh slash games and that'll take me straight back uh no you have to either start at the beginning like slash ddasm games or you can go dot 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 cd slash dd slash games yeah that would work right on on OS 9, you always have, or Nitros 9, you always have to specify at the start a drive descriptor if you're specifying an absolute path. So, you know, it would be like always having to specify C colon if you're on Windows. Um, so if you, if you want to go to the root directory of a drive DD, which is your default drive, you say CD space slash DD. Unlike okay. Linux, which which uh, Linux sort of hides the device names, but OS nine and Nitro nine do not. So it's kind of a relative path to where it actually is, kind of like a slash dev slash whatever in Linux. Right. If you, if you had to type to get to the root directory of your 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 device in Linux, if you had to type slash dev slash hda slash and then whatever the direct, yeah, you know, that but. Yeah, that's more or less what you're doing in Linux. You're saying slash dd, which is the device name, right. then slash and then the directory on that device. Yeah. You, you can go back up directories familiar. with periods, though. Two periods is back one directory, three periods is back two directories, etc. All right, so one of the things we're looking at right now, this is Rick Adams' Shanghai, which was ported to OS 9, so we can see that in a window. Obviously, we know that this is a, a Mahjong game, or as I think it was referred to one time as a Mahjong clone. So, <laughs> so, um, we should so this is actually showing the alternate character set that yes. Rick wanted in the original game. These are the, the, this is the character set that Rick had wanted, which is more of the ivory character set. And then I guess later in development is when um, Activision decided, no, we don't want those colors and change it. And at the time, it was an Easter egg. You had to find the hidden pixel to click on to unlock this. But in the OS 9 port, um, it is now a menu option. And I believe you had mentioned, too, that maybe Alan Huffman had come up with a new tile set that looked like playing cards Al- or something Alan like DeCock that. Alan DeCock originally did the alternate tile sets, and there's oh, been a Alan, few okay. games. Um, oh. okay. 
So I have the, I have the cartridge for that. Where um, where is the uh, is the software for OS nine available somewhere? Is it on the repository? I haven't even I haven't looked. I would imagine it should. So, but the nice thing about this is this is my original terminal window. This is the G shell, which is in window two. This is now um, uh, a Shanghai in window three. And here's my fourth window. So now I could actually load up something like basic 09. And here I go into basic 09. I am now in basic 09. So I can cycle through all the screens pretty quickly. This is on a real Coco. This is not an emulator. Just hold it down. If you hold it down. Oh, wow. Look at that. Psychedelic, huh? <laughs> Giving me flashbacks, man. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you go to your main, go to your main um, window and just type proc, P-R-O-C. Hold on. I'm in the middle of writing master code here. Something you wouldn't understand. You're not, yeah, you're still in the command line part. You have to do E first. Yeah, there you go. Okay. And then, and then you have space. Yeah. Oh, space? At the very beginning, yeah. I hit shift right arrow. Yeah, yeah. and just hit control right arrow where the missing quote is. And then Too shift right. right arrow again. That's the built-in right. command line editor that you get on any input prompt. You can how, do, how, do I delete a, how do I delete a key? Control left arrow to delete. Okay. Okay. Some I'm hearing myself twice. Who is not muted right now? Somebody's coming through speakers or something. I'm hearing myself echoing back. Okay, so we got that. We're gonna do twenty. I'm not hearing that, by the way. Go to ten. Now I can type in run. Q Q first to quit the editor. Quit the editor. And then run. Run. Okay. So here we have a running program in Basic 09 that says OS9 rocks. Okay, and this is, so somebody's asking if I press shift clear, can I cycle backwards? And that appears to be true. Okay. It's, does CLS work? Yes, it does. Okay, well, how did I lose my cursor now? I don't see my cursor. I would guess that the Basic 9 is stealing the cursor. <laughs> okay. So when you type in proc right now, it is listing all the running processes. And so I see a process ID on the left here. Um, process Errant. ID, uh, process ID, ID is 1 your, through 9. The actual process number. Parent is the process that spawned it. So you can kind of okay. track the chi child. User is which user number. Now you're only running as a single user right now. But if you had multiple okay. users logged in, that would change. Priority. Priority. You can actually bump your programs up and down. If you have something that you want running in the background, you don't care if it takes longer, you want more CPU resources to a, a different program, you can change those willy-nilly as much as you want. Age is more of a technical thing. The task is more of a technical thing. Status, more of a technical thing. Signal, if you're sending signals between processes, uh, that's where we'll be flagging what signal you sent or is receiving. Module is the name of the program actually running in that so process. So we can see here Shell, G Shell, Shanghai, and Basic 09. Yeah, and you see Basic 09 actually has program underneath because Basic 09 is uh, a language itself, but you can have multiple processes within Basic 09, like multiple uh, procedures. It'll actually list which one is currently being run or currently being edited. Okay. And then, and then your I.O. paths is your, your less than is your standard input, greater than is your standard output, greater than greater than is your standard error output. And that actually comes in useful with debugging because you can actually have like uh, text messages from a program you're writing, either error messages or stuff that you're writing out to the error path, going to a completely different window than the main program. So you can keep track 
of what you really want to see your program doing and then all the status stuff coming out in a different window entirely. So you actually don't mess it up with... Like if you've run, ever run the debugger uh, Tron on, on RSDOS, you get mm -hmm. line numbers and stuff in the middle of all your text your program is actually trying to print. It's hard to read. This mm -hmm. way you can actually tell it, put all those messages in a different window and just keep what I actually want the program to normally print on the other ones. So you can kind of keep track. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, William Carlin had said something in chat here. He says, the I parameter means immortal as in will not terminate when an end of file is sent through the specified yep. terminal slash W1 or window 1. Immortal. It yeah. is an immortal if command. You don't put, if you don't put the I, if you hit shift break, which is the escape key under OS 9, it'll just exit the shell immediately. Okay. If you don't put the immortal. The immortal basically says don't let that quit unless you type EX or something. Okay, how do so what is it? You said how do I, I how do I, I break that I always thought that meant interactive. Nope. Immortal. How do I break out of the OS nine program right now? Control C or Control E. Control C or Control E. Neither one is working. Okay, that must mean that the window descriptor is a bit botched up right now. That's what I think Bill was supposed to be working on because he'd found some of them were a bit porked. <laughs> okay. So here's what I am going to do. I'm going to kill that process. So I'm going to say kill. Do I have to type in the word proc in front of that or just kill the number? Nope. So if just I kill eight. The number, yeah. Okay, so I've just killed process eight. OS 9 is gone. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 color computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. Um, so, okay, yeah, and now my cursor's back, and now the computer's not running slow as dog crap anymore. Okay, so, um, <laughs> here's my, now, I do, I do think some of the slowdownness is because this is still probably, um, trying, trying to, to hit point, the drive wire, trying to hit time. drive wire for a real-time clock. Um, okay, so what else can we show off now that we have Nitrous 9? What can I do to help show this off, and anybody who's watching... If you either have questions or information you'd like to share, now is definitely the time because I've I, this is like my second time looking at it. Um, I don't hate it. I know there's things I need to better understand, and I know one of the challenges this has is that it is definitely a hodgepodge of utilities and everything else too. It's not a clean. Um, managed package right now it's you know so i have i have something that basically bill has cobbled together for himself and he got it working for him he shared it with me and my environment's different than his environment so i think that's some of the challenges and maybe some of yeah. the stuff the naysayers <coughs> nick um who might want to <laughs> <laughs> there's there's definitely some there's some mud we could sling here but um, we have people here who know this much better than I. So why don't you guys just tell the world more about OS 9 and tell me what I can be doing to help show off what you're talking about right now. Well, I've also got a, uh, an image that I've put together. It's a general purpose image for, uh, for Nitrous 9. It has a ton of games, utilities, and all kinds of other stuff that's ready to run 
I've got a version of it, I believe, for the SDC and for uh, DriveWire, I think, and you know, some other stuff. So, What time does that I'm, plane land that you're on right now, Barry? <laughs> uh, uh, I wish it would land. Tell me about it. Uh, so, um, anyway, can you hear me okay? Or Yeah, yeah, I can hear you fine. I'm just messing with you. Yeah. Um, is that available somewhere? Is there a link for that? Well, I think the Computer Archive has a, a link, a copy of it. I've got a, I believe I've got an image of it on uh, on Google Drive. Yeah, if it's if it's so, what we can do if if that link is not already around, we can we can get to whatever that link is as well, and we'll post it in the description of this video or as a comment to this video later on. I think that would be a great resource. You've got one. I think Curtis and Bill are going to be working on. But if we could have a plug and play hard drive yeah, image cool. that people could just boot up and start messing with it. Um, uh, just to kind of become familiar with it and get over some of the fear and misconceptions. And, and, and it's really, it's a learning curve. For me, I'm looking at this. I remember DOS commands very vividly because I spent, I don't know how many years working in DOS. So for me, that's like muscle memory. I can type a command path and a command prompt, no problem. Um, do I know what those commands are in OS 9? No, but could I learn them? Sure. So yeah, I, I think... Help. You can type in help? Well... Yeah, help is a, is a good trick. Also, uh, for those of you that are familiar with DOS, the commands are very, very similar. Um, under Nitrous 9, for instance, uh, OS 9 actually had CHD, but Nitrous 9 has CD, just like DOS has CD. For change directory. So, right. And CX for the commands directory. Uh, DIR is DIR. So, so DIR from DOS is DIR under OS 9. Most, A lot of the same commands, copy is copy. Um, a lot of the same commands work. Um, the, the, the differences are as follows. The slashes are the reverse direction. So DOS uses the slash that's under the pipe or the vertical bar. And OS 9 and Linux both use the, the uh, slash that's under the question mark. Right, it's the forward slash versus the backslash. And, and there I think is it's only DOS that uses backslash. I mean, OS right. 10's BSD Unix also uses forward slash. I don't know why DOS. Yeah, and, there, and, and lucky for us, there is no backslash on the Coco keyboard. So. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's, you know, the, the other slash is used. Um, the commands are mostly the same. Um, the other difference is the paths um, under. On DOS, you have a, a drive letter, <laughs> and under um, under OS nine, you have a device name. So slash slash in the device name instead of drive letter C colon or whatever is the same it's, thing. Okay. So that's uh, uh, but a lot of it is very very similar. Who's giggling in the background over there? All uh, of us are because we just watched Steve. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to get out of help here, and I can't yeah. figure it out. Shift, shift, escape if if the window's set properly. Okay. <laughs> I'm not getting uh, my, my video is jumping around because I'm on a phone, so I'm not seeing what the rest of you guys are giggling at with Steve struggling to get out of the help command. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> Did so, you yeah, give me the melt command? The who command? Melt. Melt. No. What is melt? Just try it if it's there. If it's not there, I won't tell you about it because it's a, it's a nice one. Thing. Anyway. Oh. So. The screen has melted. Total wipeout. <laughs> so anyway. Um, so yeah, I'll let break 
or shift break is a lot of times your abort or exit key. Um, you know, th those are two keys to keep in mind when you want to exit something. Um, sort of like break or control Z under DOS. Okay. You know, or control D um, or control C under Linux. Okay. okay. But there's a lot of parallels. Um, you know, if you're in, in doubt about something and you're curious, you can run that help command, and hopefully you don't get yourself stuck in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so that'll tell you a lot of the commands and give you a lot of information. You can also try a, a DOS command or a, uh, or a Linux command, because a lot of Linux commands have been ported, and a lot of the DOS commands are already, are already there. Right. Now, what about development tools? Are the development tools part of the stock install? Like I noticed when I typed in Basic 09, I just got to it. Is that standard? Or is there a standard assembler that comes with this as well? On the, on Basic 09 is standard. On the, on the floppy disk, all of the stuff came on separate disks. Okay. Because okay. so it just wasn't room. But um, most of the uh, hard drive images that have been put together out there for today that are pre-assembled, like mine and you know whatnot, you, you have the... Uh, Tandy Radio Shack ASM command is already on there. Um, um, a lot of them have the CC installed. The C compiler is pre-installed. Um, RMA, which is the macro assembler. Yeah. Uh, so the and builds both have that on there. There is um, there is a way to set up environmental paths, right? So like there are certain things in the CMDS folder that are already there, right? Now, can you add is there the equivalent of a batch file where you can create a little script command that you can just call by name that might run a series yep. of commands for us? Yeah, startup is yeah, exactly. Now, as far as environmental paths, though, on the stock standard shell, those don't exist. You only have two paths. On your shell plus you do. Working, your, your current working directory and your current execution directory. Okay. Okay. Which is why when you go into CMDS, which is you know, by the default uh, current execution directory, you see all that stuff piled into one directory because that's your standard execution directory and you only have one of them, so everything pretty much that you want to have access to without doing something special it has to go in there. Okay. Yeah, and that is a Linux command. When you type in PWD to print working directory, it'll show you what that is. Am I yeah, working? That'll show, you that'll show you your current working directory. And I right. think it's PXD. Yeah, PXD yeah. gives you your execution directory. Roger that. Yep. Hey, we have a question in the chat from Norlander. He says, I have Alan Cox Nitro Level 3, but haven't installed it. What are the differences between the levels? Level 3, from what I understand from Bill, because I haven't tried fiddling with it, it doesn't work now with the newest versions of Nitrous 9 because of the way they split the modules up. They kind of redid the internals. Level 3 was a way to extend system memory beyond 64K. Basically, it took RBF, which is like random block file devices like hard drives and RAM drives and floppy drives, and gave it its own 16K chunk in the memory map. And then SCF devices, which are like terminals and windows and VDG screens, was giving a separate 16K and would swap between those two because you never access both exactly simultaneously because your multitasking is task switching very rapidly. So it basically extended your system memory map from 64K to 80K. At that's least that's the, the theory. Oh, you know, it worked. We, I used to run it. But it doesn't work with, you know, sound-driven, joy-driven, all the stuff's been split up. Like, all the stuff doesn't work because nobody patched level th 3 to match all the changes that were done later. So you'd have to run a pretty old version of Nitro 9 to get that to work. Though I think Bill is working on trying to get that working again. 
Yeah, Bill's an impressive guy. Um, there's the things he continues to crank out, you know, and he's just always working on this stuff, and he, he needs like continuously adding new things to the um, to the Roger Taylor package. You know, it's just like I don't know where he finds the time, but that guy's always <laughs> cranking stuff out. This is like the second or third hard drive image he's cranked out for me. So you know, much appreciation to Bill Noble for sure. Um, so here's a dumb question because my history is a little foggy and I wasn't involved back around PenFest of 2000. The famous song from Brother Jeremy where he's saying, uh, you know, oh. uh, uh, Kevin Darling, will you please let the code free or whatever it was, yep. right? So what version was he talking about there? That was the unreleased, sanctioned by Tandy and Mike, where Kevin Darling headed with 20 or 30 other people working on it, plus a bunch of the vendors at the time, to release uh, OS 9 Level 2 Version 3 which added overlapping windows and a ton of new features and, and optimized and debugged a bunch of stuff. And everybody was rewriting their drivers like Burke and Burke and, and Frank Hogg and a bunch of us were rewriting their drivers all to run in compliance with that new version that was going to be actually sold by Tandy. And then Tandy, the color computer division didn't know it at the time, but Tandy was planning on canceling the color computer. And as soon as that happened, it was like, it's, it's done. We're not going to be distributing it. They did have a bit of a caveat. They did say to Kevin, if you guys make all the manuals and package it all up and get it professionally packaged and ready to go, we might consider selling it through express order. And Kevin went, you know, we never got paid for any of this stuff yet because they hadn't completed it technically. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have the money or the funds to, to do all that. So it just dropped. Okay. And then Brother Jeremy finally got Kevin to release uh, a mostly complete version of what was done at the time. Has any of that code made its way into Nitrous 9 or any of the current versions? Or The actual code? No, because by the time we even saw some of the level th or level 2 version 3 stuff, we were so far into Nitrous 9, it would have been in like a, a big you know, step backwards to try to redo it all over again. And we'd gone off in different directions. We were optimizing more for speed. They were optimizing more for features. Mm. Um, but some of the stuff that was in there, like some of the new display commands for doing like filled circles, filled ellipses, and a few things... That has come across, but it was independently programmed, not ported from the original. Okay. In fact, I think I sent you a little text file that has a history of it that Kevin wrote at one time explaining the whole sordid story. And It's actually not that long. It's actually a pretty interesting read. Uh, where did you put it? Uh, did I put it in the Google Drive or did I send it by email? I don't even remember. I don't know. I'll look in the Google Drive real quick. Oh, I, I forgot to mention another version of a redone hard drive that I have is for VCC or uh, or MAME, and is a uh, a hard drive that you can attach to MAME or VCC, and it will boot up and and emulate a uh, handy color computer three with a hard drive attached. Okay. Steve, do you want me to put drive. it in Skype or just email yeah, it to you? Yeah, if you want, put it in Skype. That's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that would be handy too. If I, if I can't do that right now because I'm on a, a phone. So yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, I think... I'll send I'll, I'll send links later. Yeah, you, whatever links you guys send later on, I'll compile them and put them in the description of this video so people can come back later and get them. <clears throat> I'll add it to my website too. So in the future, when you go to ogstevystro.com under my Coco Links page, I'll have an OS9 section for OS9 resources. Um, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Uh, Oh, but no, what, what you just mentioned, Barry, the fact that we, we've got some hard drives optimized for emulators is, I think that's going to be really good to help some people who maybe don't even have uh, a color computer. So um, to me, 
And, and again, how people look at things and what everybody's priority is and your philosophies and views, uh, there's not really right or wrong. But in, in, in my simple mind, the only way OS 9 is really going to have any meaning to me is when I run it on real hardware. Because when I'm sitting here and looking at this yellowed old 35-year-old computer and I'm looking at this old machine and I can actually see that this machine can multitask and I can switch back to these different screens here like for example here's Shanghai Shanghai's been waiting for us this whole time I can appreciate it better on real hardware because I'm seeing it and I know what I'm working on the minute you run this in MAME or VCC it's unless you were around at that time it's really hard to appreciate what it's doing because now you're just looking at it well yeah this is like a crappy version of Windows I can do this in Windows so <laughs> much better but when you're doing it on a real coco to me it's even more impressive because i mean this is uh, this was multitasking at a time when the ibm pc could not multitask yeah this is windows 1.04 days yeah you know so this is pretty impressive i i I quite agree with you i uh, at the time i was running a bulletin board on a tandy color computer and i had uh friends of mine that were running bulletin boards on their, you know, their IBMs. And there was one day one of them came over to visit me, okay? And I'm sitting there playing, I forget what, I think I was playing Rogue on my, on my color computer, okay? And they see the game up on the, on the screen. I'm running Rogue, right? I had 512K of RAM, so, you know, it would run, and the bulletin board didn't take up that, that much memory. So I'm playing Rogue, and they ask me, well, what computer are you running a bulletin board on? Oh, this one. And I switched the screen. And there's a bulletin board running. And their job, I hit the floor. Yeah. Yeah, we did the same thing. Yeah, like I've watched Curtis show me some stuff where Curtis was like basically working on something and then he would switch screens. You can say what it is if you want. No, I'm not going to say that. But I'm just saying (laughs) you you have shown me that um, you could be pretty uh, proficient with your cocoa and – uh, of course, this is Curtis's uh, version of this is not too long. It's like two pages of like lots of words. Um. <laughs> that's not my version. That's actually straight from Kevin. Okay, that's a lot of reading right now. So what I'm going to do here real quick is I will switch over here to show off that screen right now. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball. And you're listening to Coco Talk. Hey guys, Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're listening to Coco Talk, chances are you're interested in the color computer. If you'd like to find out more about the color computer, then visit my Coco Links page at imacoconut.com. There you will find communities, podcasts, YouTube channels, project sites, blog sites, hardware, software, buy, sell, trade, you name it. So for all things color computer, visit imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, coconut. Dot com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Um, so can I make this any bigger? I don't know. So OS 9 level 2 upgrade story by Kevin Darling. Background, April September, April through September 1988. Prehistory, private work. Uh, Kevin Myers and myself got wind that an update was coming and we began, to pa- we began passing along any bugs we found to the Coco guys at Tandy partly because microware was getting out of the 6809 by then. Um, 
then one got the job at the end I of got the sept- job, yeah i got the job okay okay there's a the few end- glitches when it got transferred at the end of September, Microware flew me up to Des Moines to uh, get info needed for two projects at the same time, the Level 2 update and a port of something to the Atari ST. Both were supposed to be done by the end of that year. The plan was to first do all of the known little bugs um, and also add any enhancements possible within a few weeks, and that was all at first. In October, the ST project got canceled. Otherwise... Um, the level two update would have been sent out way back then, and yet you'd have spent twenty to thirty for nothing in comparison to what you've gotten free since uh, off the net sen- uh, then since then. Um, actually, we'd be worse off than that, as most serious work would have stopped, and there would have been no fast graphics drivers, uh, new GFX2 clock patches. Uh, ACIA speedups or a dozen other neat giveaways which came along much much later on so the new original schedule October to December 88 new time frame for official upgrade now we suddenly had some more time for the level 2 work though not much more and both microware and Tandy gave carte blanche to add whatever we wanted applause knowing that this update would also be the new stock level 2 release I wanted a lot in there grin but needed some help doing so from that arose a special private section on the CompuServe OS9 forum donated by Wayne Day, wherein and Wayne is the guy you worked with too on Nitrous 9? No, nope, that was Wes. No, he, was, Wes. He, was, he was separate. Okay. Um, wherein about two dozen volunteers wrote, donated, and tested tons of new code. Names later remind me. Uh, again, with Microware and Tandy's blessings, this included rival third parties who worked together for the common good, modifying their own drivers to come into upgrade compliance. To say that all this was unique in the history of operating systems would be an obvious understatement. Now, although no one at Tandy and Microware ever said, let's stop here, and I did so a few weeks too late, there were times that a version could have been released. Now, end of the first work was in January 1989. Original cleanup work done. Okay, we could have stopped in January 1989, but that still wouldn't have wouldn't would not have left tons of possible stuff untouched. By this time, we were also writing demo programs that went beyond what anyone else had tried and discovered, um, as others have recently. That Win Dinet had major problems with multiple overlays and menus. Uh, I should have collected the money and run right then, but sigh, I wouldn't have been able to face myself later had I done so. Dumb? Maybe. Hmm. But remember, this was going to be the new stock level two. <laughs> April, May 1989, the graphic driver crunch and speed up supplied clear problem solved. So we, as we continued, I rewrote uh, much of wind and net. In the meantime, Kent was carving out huge chunks of room for me in graphic drivers. Uh, graph drive and that let me create those graph drive speed ups you have now we also were able to find out a lot of new and really obscure and rare bugs and fix them best of all i also worked out a simple and effective fix for the irq stoppage when changing multi-view screens and you and you already have that too included in bruce isted's ibm mouse patch Thus, the end of May 1989 was the next best stopping point, and in fact, that's pretty much the version I myself still run today. The volunteer work was still ongoing, though, and something else happened. Remember, the Rainbow Fest when Sir Comp's window master. You don't have to be an OS9 rocket scientist to have overlapping windows. RS-DOS program came out. 
No, I don't, but that's okay. Kind of miffed me. I gritted my teeth. You want to see uh, easy to use overlapping windows? So uh, going too far in June to August of 1989, overlapping movable resizable windows, new GFX2 from June to the end of August, super windows was written. After enormous work, a 3D look, movable, resizable, non-stopping, overlapping windows were crammed into the original 8K graphics driver space. Still proud of that. You could even pick up windows and move them to other screens. Too neat. Wow, that is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, too neat and useless. <laughs> <laughs> Great for demos and fun to play with. Dale Puckett loved them, but they 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 took up uh, slightly too much RAM, slowed down the covered windows, and compared to the full screen apps we were used to, just useless. Overlapping windows make a heck of a lot more sense on a larger display. Yeah. Also, they were impossible on a 128K system which is part of the specs. So I think they will remain a curiosity piece forever or probably go into OSK. What is OSK? That's the 68,000 version of OSK. Ah, anyway, I decided to yank those and put back the other more needed stuff. But y'all got much more of the new GFX2 from that part of the project too. Sudden death. Are we on the... Holy crap, dude. I can't keep reading this. I'm going but You crazy. don't have to leave that last part too much. Uh, people right. and what we proved, you can just finish a little bit of the history. Because that's basically just thanking people. Okay, so he's well, thanking a lot of people. In 1989, the writing was already on the wall for Tandy as far as they wanted to pull yeah. out of the computer industry. So, yeah, thanking a lot of people. I must note the unbelievable secrecy, which was held over a year until Tandy said it was okay to talk by everyone. Yeah, you have a lot of people collaborating. You have a lot of people um, keeping this quiet. That is pretty impressive. I have to say. Now, so most of the stuff he's talking about, though, it's not in Nitrous 9. And it kind of bit, never really and, got released. Bit, bits and pieces of it are like the, the fast grift patches he released separately for regular OS 9. We did put those in Nitrous 9 and then improve them. Um, the GF, GFX2 stuff we incorporated. Uh, the being able to read PC DOS disks we incorporated. Um, the Some of the extra graphics commands he added, I, we incorporated those too. So there's bits of 3D look in G-Shell. That got incorporated, though we did it differently because we didn't know about their version at the time. Um, so we, we did a f some of it independently without even knowing that was in the upgrade. And then there was some stuff that we found in the upgrade afterwards that wasn't too hard for us to re-implement ourselves with all the code we have now. Okay. So we did do some of it, but the, like the Super Windows part, no, we never got to that point. Okay. Now he said that back then it was pointless. Is there any more point to that now since we have 6309s and 512K? I think in some ways, yes. I mean, they did slow down quite a bit. Oh, crap. <laughs> Does that work work? I don't know. I just hung up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the, the one thing that he's still that's still true today that I think made the overlapping windows not quite as useful as they would be in other platforms is that the resolution on the Coco is just too low to have too many windows over top of each other to get any useful work done. Because you're usually limited to 320 by 200 or 640 by 200 resolution, and you know if you're running a text editor, you generally want a fair bit of room for text. You want a little tiny window like you showed when you did the OSN level two demo earlier, mm -hmm. and that was his main beef. Is that it? It was cool. It was nice that it worked, but it wasn't. It wasn't that useful once you got into the practice of trying to run real apps. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't really useful. Yeah, uh, practicality and wasn't it's probably, there. It's probably still not it's probably still not real useful. 
Yeah. You know? It'd be faster. I mean, like, every- slow down with overlapping windows, we could solve some of the 639, and, and that would be nice, but it, yeah, it's a, the layout isn't that good. Okay, well, there's been a lot of chatter in the chat room that I haven't been able to keep my eye on. So let me just back scroll here and see if there's anything here we need to mention here. Um, so here's uh, Richard. Richard is putting out his GitHub on his assembly project. Jerry Adams, can you use a Hayes stack chronograph to instantly input the time and date? Um, uh, I use OS9 level 1 on my Coco 2. I believe you had to have a hard disk drive, right? I'm looking forward to seeing Nitrous 9 for the first time. Uh, okay, so this, that's a little bit older, right? So where can I get a Coco SDC? We answered that question. Um, the, the flight practitioner says, Minted is a great OS9 text editor, which I believe is now included with the Nitrous 9 distros. Are you guys familiar with that one? Minted? M-I, capital M-I-N-T. I, I have heard of it. I don't use it, but if it's on the distro and it's actually a, like a, a screen text editor, other than like the edit you tried running earlier, that might be a nice one if it's built in. I, I use VED because Bob Vanderpool released that and I've been using it for years, so that's what I got used to. I, I, use, I use TSED, which is basically it's the same as VI is under, uh, under Linux. It would have been named, probably would have been named VI, Except for the fact that VI is a device name under OS nine and Nitrous nine, so yeah, that's um, Dale Lear's, right? Yeah, well, it's a patched version of the Tandy TS Edit, is what it is. I'm talking the one I use actually. Okay. So it's I think, TS I think Edit. Dale wrote the, the, or, yeah, I think Dale wrote the original TS Edit, if I remember correctly. Okay, so yeah, then it, then it is then it is his, and this is a patch that just allows it to run on uh, OS nine level two screens. And you know, and the eighty-column mode, etc. Okay. One of the questions that I think Curtis answered in the actual text chat was: Davy Mitchell says, "What programming labels exist for it?" Curtis said, "Yes, it supports C, Assembly, Fortran, Cobol, several assemblers, etc." Um, Sixty. Uh, Karen says there is a C compiler. Um, yes, there is a C compiler. Yeah, there's a Pascal too, if I remember correctly. Now, did this run on this? Did this run on dragons too? Would OS nine run on a dragon? Level one did. Level one ran on a dragon. There's a special version of it for the dragon, actually, because they had a real serial port built in. So the terminals actually on level one ran easier on a dragon than it did on the original Cocoa one and two, because you could run a full speed terminal. Speaking of speaking of terminals. Um, there's a piece of terminal software that I wrote. The source code is on most of those disk images that I mentioned, along with a bunch of other source code in the sources directory. Um, but this particular program, it's uh, called XCOM 9. Mm-hmm. And it was actually an interesting program because one of the things it did, it was, to my knowledge, I think it was the first program to ever send high-resolution graphics over the modem. Using a display oh, wow. code? Yeah, what it did was it passed through the OS9, all the OS9 control codes. Yeah, so, we, had, we had a PC one know. called OS9 term that did that, too. Okay, so, so, but I think this predated that and a lot of the other terminal programs for, for, uh, for OS9. Um, there was one or two others that, that were out there, but they didn't, they didn't have the, uh, the features that, you know, this, this one came along. And OS term is a, a nice program. Um, KBCom was a good commercial one that did but, VT100 really well. But it actually it came out after uh, I did my uh, release of XCOM 9 for level oh, 2. Oh, yeah, quite a bit later. Yeah. 
Yeah. It did support so, the double high and double wide characters, though, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So mine would just pass through whatever control codes were sent through the, uh, the, the modem and would send them to the OS9 screen for OS9 to interpret. And so if you sent the control codes to switch to a graphics mode and redefine the screen, and then you sent character, you know, control codes to draw, you know, boxes, circles, you know, geometrical shapes, whatever, all that would get passed through, including the fill commands, etc. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, we had that too. Uh, with, with the P IBM PC program called OS 9 term that we That kind of sounds like what Prodigy did. Prodigy was one of the first ones that had like, you know, like vector art uh, graphics. Yeah this, yeah, this predates them though by a considerable amount. Yeah, that's impressive. So, and you can do overlay windows and all kinds of stuff too, if I remember correctly too, just like our version. Yep, yes you can. Yeah. And so um, what what happened there, you know, I had, that was another case where I, you know, I had some people and I was dem demonstrating this uh, this bulletin board at a computer meeting, and I had you know somebody log in, and we you know had people cluster around the table and were watching. And you would you know you had a regular text login, you know it said login colon, and you type new or new user or, or you type in your username, and that would come up and ask password. It was a OS9 login prompt, and then it ran the bulletin board, and on the receiving side we had it running XCOM9 on another Coco, and right after login. This thing pulled up, you know, it, it basically did a rotating uh, 3D tunnel effect. And I swear, the guy sitting in front of the keyboard, keyboard just about fell out of his chair when it did that. <laughs> you know, he, he thought he had fallen into one of those cyber movies that was uh, popular around that time period. <laughs> Yeah, it was really cool because we did the same thing. Like we wrote programs that would you know pop an overlay window for menus and stuff like that, and you could run it on the PC running off the Coco, and and you know have a full PC keyboard and everything else. But you could actually run like the D disk editor or View or, or all these utilities that use the screen uniquely to the OS nine. It would run on the PC just fine, same as you did with the Coco version with XCOM nine, where you could run all the stuff remotely. You could change the screen mode. I want to change the PC to forty columns or eighty column graphics, or I want to change the colors and all that stuff. All worked. Yeah. Yeah, that came, uh, that came on the PC. That came much, much later, though. Yeah, I think we did ours in. I'd have to ask Bill because a friend of ours, James West, wrote it was about eighty nine, ninety. I think we did that one. And an interesting thing is the uh, the name of the bulletin board that we ran this on, which predated the movie of this name by a long time. the The bulletin board was called the Matrix. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> That's Windows and Two words. So this twisty uh, 3D box that sprung out at you, and then it drew in high-res um, vector graphics the words, Welcome to the Matrix. And they cleared the screen, and it put up a, a standard uh, BBS menu with, you know, pop-up windows and stuff like that, which weren't that common at the time either. You know, so it, it, it really got some attention for the people that had logged into it and seen it, you know. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. 
Hey guys, Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com, featuring hand-drawn custom designs and pixel art by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. We've got the brand new official Coco Talk t-shirt, I'm a Coconut t-shirt, and all kinds of other cool video game and arcade-related artwork. Check out 8bit256.com for all your retro swag needs today. Hey, Curtis, if I want to pull up Rogue, what do I got to do to make the fonts come out first? Uh, make JW first. Make JW? GW. GW. Make graphics yeah, window is what it stands for. for. Short for make graphics window. By the way, that is actually, remember they were discussing earlier um, how you could create a text file with a sequence of commands and then run it as an executable? Make yeah. GW is actually such a file. It yeah, is actually a file. text file with a sequence of commands in it that sets up your graphics window. Okay, so if you were to copy that into like your commands folder off of the root of DD, would that work from any path you were in because it's in the it's in the environment variable? There's no, it's not an environment variable, but yeah, if you put it in the default yeah. commands folder, it would run from anywhere. It would be it would be part of the uh, default path. Yeah, that's what yeah, I meant the to execution say. Execution path. Yeah. yeah. All right, so if you wanted to copy that, make. Uh, GW to your slash DD slash commands. You could type that from anywhere and take any window and turn it into graphics mode. Yeah. Though the one unique thing to make GW for Rogue does, it actually loads a special font for Rogue with your little characters. So some of your European character set disappears and it gets replaced with you know pieces of gold and shields and stuff. Steve. <laughs> Hello, David Ladd. Welcome to the Dungeons of Doom. Yeah, so here's my character. So this is technically 80-column text, but some of the fonts have been replaced with, like, stick figures and swords and gold and treasure chests yeah. and stuff. It's, I mean, it's it's actually running a 640 by 192 by two-color window. Okay. With a... OS9 has built-in text handling. Like, if you remember HPrint on the Coco RS-DOS... Well, you actually run everything natively in, when you kick into graphics mode and all the font stuff is handled by OS 9 itself. So it just treats it just like a normal hardware text screen. Except in this case, you can redefine your character set. Which is handy. Okay. So yeah, this is... Um, wow. And what is it? S for slow? Shift F. Shift F for take it to turn off the fast mode? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's so also, this, yeah, this was a pretty popular game for the time, right? Rogue from Epic, so kind of like a dungeon crawler. Yeah, I played it a lot. Way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Kestrel. This one played well over the modem, too. Oh, really? That's interesting, because it's text-based. Now, how do you how do you do screen positioning over a modem? Is there, like, ANSI codes or the equivalent well, that's of what, ANSI? That's what uh, we were just talking about. Okay. Uh, like, XCOM 9 supported. Like, there is escape codes, etc., for doing all these commands in OS 9 itself, and you just pass those over the modem to the other terminal or other per, or computer, and as long as that computer knows the same codes, it's like VT100 or VT52 or ANSI, then it'll just do the same thing over there. Mm. Hey, Curtis, mm -hmm. too, too bad those utilities still weren't around, because this would be kind of cool to still use those on an old um, PC. Well, XCOM 9, I think Barry does still have around. It's OS 9 term that I had put on CompuServe back then, and then the machines that I had it at work got recycled or whatever years later, and I kind of had forgotten it was there. And I hadn't kept a copy myself, so I don't. I, once CompuServe shut down, it was. I don't know who else might have it, but I'm still trying to find it. So this is pretty net. Now, what the other thing too is, I'm not sure how well this translates to YouTube, 
but not how well you guys can see this, but this is Ed Snyder's um, RGB to S video adapter. And these 80 column text looks pretty damn good to me. Looks good here. I can read um, it. It's pretty clear. So this, this is like uh, uh, having a very good RGB monitor. Um, what the hell just happened here? Oh, that's crap. Ah, I got teleported. So yeah, crap. this is die bat. All right, so yeah, I can switch around between different screens here, and it's pretty impressive. So um, now, am I gonna switch over and, and live my life in OS nine? That's probably not gonna happen right away. But will I play around with OS 9? Oh, yeah, sure. Am I interested in learning a little bit more about this? Yeah. You know what I really like to do is um, take something like the interbank incident and copy that to a folder and a hard drive and run that off of one thing and either it do that. It was designed to do that, actually. Interbank's yeah. one of the first hard drive-enabled games that, that was ever released. Yeah, so I'd like to be able to figure out how to do something like that. The King's Quest games, run them from a hard drive. Now, from what I understand right now, it's I can't launch a King's Quest game from this one because I'm not booting with the right... I forgot how Bill explained it, but I'm not booting with the right uh, VDG driver or something like that. Uh, I'm not booting into a 32-column mode, so I can't play a King's Quest game right now from this yeah, OS 900. Yeah, I don't think you put it into or the, maybe even the co-VDG module that some of the games used... The older Coco 1-2 VDG module, because that added a few things for doing direct screen writes um, with yep. the high-res Coco 3 modes. Now, Bill and I did add a couple system calls to the regular graphics driver, so you can now do the same thing on the regular one, which we were kind of hoping everybody would switch to instead of having to run both of these things just to run Coco 3 stuff. But uh, I don't know how much that ever fully took off. I have uh, the images that I set up for their prefab images for their Color Computer 3 um, have both the 32-column modes and the uh, high-res modes in the same boot. Yeah. Are you running yeah. wind into that or just graphint or co-wind? Co um, I think I'd have to go back and look. I, I think yeah. I'm running um, – I think I, I want to say I'm running wind in, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, that was the I, other I, thing, because we had three levels of drivers. We had the CoVDG, which ran all the little Coco 1 and 2 stuff, like Interbank and Cavewalker, et cetera. Um, and then we had the graphic one, which was meant more for 128K machines, because it was a lot smaller. And then we had the Windin one, which actually gives you the high-level menu handling you need for G-Shell and Multiview, and any Multiview-style games. So basically, you'd need the Wind one, and you'd need the VDG one to be able to run everything. And I think Bill didn't have time to get that quite running on this particular boot. Um, yeah, I have... I, I, the, uh, the the multi-view works on my boot. The okay, then you have co-win for sure then. The VDG games work, and the other the other stuff like Rogue and whatnot work. I've got you know all three all three things can be started up. The only now, does your, your co-VDG does it actually run the old Coco One and Two games? Because no, David and I tried it from the repository, and it looks like they're using the tiny version, which doesn't have the Coco One and Two compatible stuff. My my boot does. It will run almost all the games. The only thing I could not get to run was Cavewalker. And that's a strange story there because Cavewalker actually runs using my boot on VCC, but it does not run using my boot on Mess or on a physical Coco, which is interesting. But hmm. everything else everything else does run, like Biosphere runs. A um, bunch of the other games run. Um, there's a bunch of stuff I've got on there that runs in COVD. COVD VDG okay, so you do have the there. full version then. I might. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I've got everything. 
Um, it's, See, this uh, is the reason yeah. we have to make this master boot for everybody that has everything, and we have to figure what's wrong with Cave Walker, too. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I would love... I, I have tried to dig into that. I know machine language programming, and I am familiar with the OS9 kernel and the drivers and whatnot, but unfortunately... My level of knowledge stops just short of being able to figure this out in an effective period of time. <laughs> so, uh, I, I went in there and poked around, but I could not figure it out. And it's something that has to do with the way the hardware is handled, too, because on VCC, amusingly enough, it works. But on a real color computer, it does not. Yeah, that is strange how some things work in an emulator and don't work in other um, things. But... I guess that is a, a nice fringe Bennett to emulating stuff. Now, this is this is one case. Probably VCC should probably break this because it's not emulating something faithfully. Right, 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 right. Um, somebody had asked a question earlier. Steve Powell, did you guys cover how to get Nitrous 9 up and running using an SD card on a Coco 3? I had to leave the meeting for a while. Um, we haven't covered how to do it. I have it. Somebody gave it to me. What we are talking about is we're going to provide links where you can download some pre-configured hard drive images. Barry Nelson has a few available as we're discussing. And so when we have yeah, those load, links load, to mount, share. Mount my image and type DOS. Yeah. <laughs> or if you, or launch if you it do from it from the launcher. Yeah, the, K, the SDC Explorer will let you launch it from there. So I, I, think, um, I'm cutting, I think I'm losing my connection here. Okay. But yeah, we will make some links available in the near future, Steve Powell, uh, to this. And I think that's probably a good goal is to have a uh, pre-configured, fairly plug-and-play image for the masses to get their hands on and play with. And then um, we can get into, uh, in a future Coco Talk, uh, some more of the technical stuff, like like how do you build a disk image and how do you build a hard drive and how can you customize the modules based on what your needs are or aren't because it seems like it's a somewhat modular operating system. It is very uh, modular. And so, um, and I think that is some of the challenges um, mm -hmm. that there are so many different modules and there's been so many hands in all these different cookie jars too, I would imagine too. There's probably some fragmentation on the different versions of the modules and the utilities and things like that. Um, yes. So it sounds the, like the it's- The thing I don't understand, the current repository seems to be mostly up-to-date stuff, but they've gone kind of retro, I guess, uh, with some of the other utilities. Like the DUR that we last released in 1999-2000 had wildcards built in. Mm -hmm. The one in the repository does not. So they went back a version. Hello, I am David Ladd, and you are watching Coco Talk, the nation's leading live Coco podcast. Hey guys, Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and when you're done with Coco Talk, if you gotta have more cowbell, then head on over to my YouTube channel for your share of gameplay goodness. There you will find over 1,300 family-friendly gameplay videos. Everything from the old school to the next gen and over 200 color computer gameplay videos as well as interviews and replays of Coco Talk. So if you need your share of gameplay goodness, then check out the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh on YouTube at youtube.com slash OG Stevie Stroke. So there's a few uh, little oddities like that. that I, make, to make this ultimate hard drive image, I want to clean, clean all that stuff up and get everything as modern as possible. Like right. the play command you, like you were hitting before. The repository one's like one that was written like in 1987 or 8. Not the wow. one I did, you know, five, six years later and added, you know, Amiga support and Mac support and Sun AU support and WAV file support. Wow. 
Not right. to mention Orchestra 90 and a few other things. You can play stereo on there, too. Nice, nice. Um, Nuke Junkie is asking, where is the documentation available, or is it all within the help? Well, oh, it's there not is all a wiki. Help. <laughs> there is a wiki. I do have in the description here the link to the Nitrous 9 primary po project page, and from there you can get to a wiki. I don't know how up-to-date that wiki is, but from there you can also get to the download GitHub for Nitrous 9 as well. And I believe uh, the OS 9 Level 2 manuals are on the Coiler Computer Archive. OS 9 Level 2 manuals? Yeah, which is okay. like this. This is the level two manual here, and it's quite thick, so it's a it's a lot of reading. But okay. that covers yeah, like basically the, the, the language and a bunch of things. Go ahead, Barry. For the OS nine stuff definitely. The OS nine stuff definitely applies to Nitrous nine. Yeah. So okay. yeah, if anybody if anybody wants to learn, you know, Nitrous nine, they can definitely start by reading the OS nine manuals, and ninety nine percent of it is the same as what Nitrous nine would be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's basically the just some additions. System. Like we've added some system calls, like, we added some system yeah. But most of it is the same. Yeah. Um, did I hear mention of a PC terminal program that understands um, uh, OS9 codes? That's the one I'm trying to find. We uploaded it to CompuServe way back when we wrote it, and but unfortunately I didn't oh. keep it when the Cocoa got retired from work. And uh, CompuServe, of course, shut down their Cocoa section and, and wiped out all the files, so... I'm hoping somebody else downloaded it because I cannot find a copy myself. Or the oh, source. please, please, please find that. That would be so useful for myself and I'm sure lots of other people. Yeah, because, well, yeah. I've been trying to find it. It's called OS9 Term. It was written in Borland Pascal or Borland C. I can't remember. But it, yeah, we had like, overlay windows and everything else running. You could you know, change screen modes and all that kind of stuff too. So that means if you used a, a modern Windows PC as a terminal to the Coco, you could get the output on that PC terminal as if you were on the um, console of the Coco. You could change your color modes and your 80 column modes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I literally ran that at work. I had a 386DX40, uh, one of the AMD chip ones, and I was actually just used as a terminal for the Coco 3. Hmm. That means that we could run also, we could run terminal emulators uh, this thing, um, run this program, and then um, adapt it so that if we could do the code so it adapted to use Telnet instead of a serial port, we could have color computer BBSs running on either emulator or physical hardware and get, get all the graphics and all the color codes and everything on people's uh, PC consoles. Yeah. The only limitation we hit, and I'm sure you hit the same thing, is that you can't run mouse-driven programs because there's no way to pass the mouse... SS mouse parameters yeah, uh, manual. Nine OS has no remote mouse support. Okay. Yeah. So theoretically, we could put an OS nine server in the cloud, and then have multiple terminals connect to it over IP mm -hmm. via Telnet, and we can create uh, OS nine cloud computing. Yep. Like <laughs> we even had a multi-user BBS from Alpha Software, and we modified it with Keith Alfonso's blessing, the guy that wrote it, and we actually ran it internally. We had. Uh, multi-user chat room so some of our staff wanted to have a virtual meeting they would just hit this cocoa based chat room uh, from their offices on these terminals we have like six people in one chat and two in another or something like that so we could have multi-user uh chats we had single user sysop chats if they wanted to get a hold of me or bill um yeah it was just a ton of stuff you could do it i mean it basically I've is got, unix <laughs> i've got source code to a bbs that i did a lot of uh i i, I wrote uh, almost all of it and i pulled in some some other stuff to hook into it but it's mostly a multi-user BBS shell, and I've still got all of that. 
Yeah, we've got some of it. Like when I tried pulling the old work backup discs, we have some, but not all. Like we wrote MTS Mon Bill, or Bill wrote it, which is basically the TS Mon time sharing with some improvements. Plus, it's only one process for as many shells as you want or many users you want. So it would take one process, 8K block, for eight users logged in, as opposed to TS Mon, which actually takes 8K for every single iteration on every single serial port. Sounds like you uh, duplicated a lot of what I had. <laughs> yeah, probably. There, there was a bit yeah, of a fight too back then too, because I mean there was the CompuServe forum where Kevin Darling and some of the other big wigs in OS nine were, and that's where I was. And then there was all the Delphi guys, and I mean Rick's talked about it before too, where there was a bit of a rivalry between the two. So a lot of stuff was done, you know, independently of each other because I couldn't afford Delphi here in Canada at the time it was way more expensive than CompuServe was. I did. Uh, I did modifying. I did modify uh, modifications to TS Mon. And I also did heavy modifications to login and yep. password so that login and password would encrypt the, yeah, uh, the passwords default, on so It's just a text file. You go list it and find everybody's password. So what I did was I did a, uh, a destruct. When you typed in your password, it would generate a destructive hash of the password so that you could not, you could not recover it the other way. But if you typed in the same password, it would generate the same hash. And it will, when you logged in, it would compare the hash against what was stored on the disk. So, and I've still got that modified login uh, program, and I've got the assembly source code to it as well. Yeah, we have the assembly source code for that MTS mon I was talking about. We did find that, but I didn't find the login, unfortunately. Mine, I just mine was just called TS mon, but I patched, it, I disassembled the original TS mon. And then patch the living bejesus out of it. <laughs> yeah, we, we did that at first, and then we just said, "Ah, screw it, we'll just write our own." <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's a copy of uh, of a Siapack driver somewhere around. Uh, I did. I still have, I think. Um, but I know when I posted the source code originally to it, there were a whole bunch of no-op instructions for no reason that I could figure out, and so I commented them out in the source code when I did my patching. Um, and and put a comment, waste of my precious CPU cycles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we ended up going, I think we based the Nitrostein one, if I remember correctly, on uh, Bruce Eisted's, um SACIA, because that was also the support of the serial mouse drivers if you want to run Logitech and, and PC mice. Plus it had a lot better buffering and, you know, the hardware uh, receiving transmit interrupts were both enabled and a bunch of other things that were a lot more efficient than the, the stock one. Yeah, I, I enabled the interrupts, and I got stuff like that. I did not support mice. Mine was designed to running a bullet correctly. So its its purpose was to handle the I.O. from a modem and to do it very well and do it efficiently. Yeah. But no, no, my, no mouse support or anything else. But it, 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 it ran the bulletin board solidly, and it did that. Uh, like I said, though, that was a thing, and Nick Nick has mentioned this in the past, too, that OS 9 became quite the hacker's thing. And unfortunately, we had a bunch of independent people that didn't talk to each other all hacking the same things over and over again, <laughs> as we just discovered between you and me. Um, so that's one thing about the Level 2 version 3 upgrade, because they all got together, and then like a lot of the vendors, like they mentioned, like Frank Hogg and Sardis Technologies and Burke and Burke and a bunch of these others, all worked together on this. So they're going to make a brand new base platform for everybody to run off of with new drivers and stuff, which would have been beautiful to have had at the time if it hadn't gotten cancelled. Yeah, I, uh, I saw the ASEA pack, S ASEA pack drivers later but running mine because of the fact that because mine didn't have the mouse stuff in it and everything else, mine was smaller. 
but still got the job done for what I wanted. So, yeah. Yeah. So what else do we need to cover right now in this introduction to OS 9? We've definitely shown it off. We've talked about it. We've talked about the fact that we're going to make available some links to some hard drive images, and I believe we'll probably have a few people working on refining some of these images as well. So that's good news. Uh, and, and surprisingly, Nick Morentis has been uh, uh, very, very quiet. Nick, what, what, what say you, I would you, call Nick? it well-behaved. I made a comment earlier, and I'm hoping to get... The, uh, I saw you are playing Mahjong on OS 9. Yeah. So is that readily available somewhere? I never heard a reply back to that question. I'm assuming it's on the archive somewhere. I don't see why it wouldn't be, but I'd have to check. I, I haven't been able to find it. I you actually have, have because the there's two versions. There's an OS uh, 9 Shanghai was actually written in Basic 9 by, I think it was Sean Driscoll. That I have. Which is totally independent. That I have. Yeah. Right, uh, but, but I, like the, I like the version that's in the program pack. And I actually own the program pack. And yeah. why don't Rick like this version? I too, I mean. Right, but I, I have not found. I know that there used to be a patch or a mod for it to load it onto OS nine, but I have not been able to find it anywhere. So, well, I, I like I said, I'm running a hard drive that came from Bill Noble, so maybe reach out to Bill and to see where so, that particular version is available. So, so maybe it's in his image, and that's how you got it. Well, that is exactly how I got it because I have his image. But where, but how can we get it to you? I would say definitely check with Bill because he's got it. And I know Bill was involved in the port of it. So yeah, he did the first port. Then, yeah. yeah. So if it's in his image on his website, then I can grab the image and then mount and pull that piece out and consolidate it together. Maybe put it on a separate floppy for people that you know want just want that one thing and you know put it on a uh, and my image as well. Yeah, I know Alan Huffman has it too. And in fact, he has some alternate tile sets that I don't think Bill and I have because we made one alternate tile set that Alan DeCock did, which is kind of a playing card set. But mm -hmm. Alan had a, like traffic lights and stuff too, so he's got some extra stuff I didn't see because we made it so that you could design your own. Okay. Oh wow. Now one of the things I noticed now too, because we've launched. Um, rogue and rogue has changed some of the text fonts when i launch up g shell right now some of these fonts are screwed up too so um well not screwed up they're reloaded to the what rogue is using yeah 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 and it's, uh, that's, that's, that has become a global setting regardless of which terminal window i'm in now right that yeah, yeah. that depends i mean when you create a font you create a font number from 0 to 255 to or 1 to 255 um so some people, because, once again, independent developers created their new fonts, but they use the same font number, which means as soon as you load one, it overwrites the other. But you have enough room to make 255 unique fonts. Okay. Interesting. I did not, I, I did not remember that. There's like a 106-column font, too, that David really likes if you want to get more text on your screen, too. Wow. Is, but there's not, is there a driver for that? That's built in. a window driver. No, the driver's built in. That's a built-in really? graph driver. It has been from stock, yeah. It's the six-pixel-wide oh, font, font number two. So how can oh, I change it right now? Can I, can I change um, that from the command prompt? Uh, if you want to see it, uh, you can type in the following display command to switch. Uh, do display. Let me switch over to a big screen so we can see this. Okay, and yeah, I think you have to be in a graphics mode to do that, yeah, that's right? That's what we're getting him to do here. <laughs> okay. So, so 1B, uh -huh. 2, 4, space 2, 4. Mm-hmm. 1B, right, space, 2-0, mm -hmm. space, uh, let's pick 5, okay. space, 0, 
space zero, space five zero, space one nine, space one B, space three A, space C eight, space two. This space is very one E, one E echo, one B, one Bravo. Yeah, two one. I okay. think. That's Luckily, this is very easy to remember. Anybody can do this. Oh yeah. Hey. Yeah. What you? What? What would you? Did we, I screw it up? Recommend. <laughs> Just hit clear, maybe. Um. For any of these things that you would commonly want to do, you would put them into a, a, a script file, and okay. then you would have a command like like col 160, and you would just type that, and then that would run this command. Right. It may. It might be. Maybe Bill doesn't have the one installed too. Okay. Well, like I said, I've gotten, I've gotten nicer colors out of my command set now, my command prompt anyway, so. Have you I mean, any... run, so. <laughs> Have you got any other programs we can look at? What's that? Have you got any other programs you can uh, demonstrate or look at? You had a demo styles of it before. editor that that other guy was talking about in there? You could try. Oh, come on. Editors, we know these guys want to see the games. <laughs> Okay, these are all endon.dmo. How do you how do you launch a DMO file? I don't know what a DMO file is. That sounds like deskmate something. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, there's a folder um, called demo. I wonder if it's part of the nano stuff that Bill's working on. Uh, um, how about Zone Runner? I wonder if Zone Runner is on that image. Zone Runner is an OS9 game. Let's take a look. Zone Is that like Load Runner? No. No. It's a strategy space trading game. Uh, what do I type in right now? Zone. Um, Zone Runner. I have two, yeah, I have By two problems Tandy with Corporation. I know the name of the game, but... It's been a while since I've played it, and I don't know the layout of this hard drive, so... <laughs> Greg L. Zumwalt, too. This is a basic program by the looks of it. I don't I, think so. I, I think it's in C, actually, but it was one of the very first games released, so it was before they really knew what they were doing. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Plus, this well, one's rescalable. If you put it on any size window you put, it'll fit the game onto it, so that's one of the reasons it's slow, because it's rescaling. Okay. Or, or at least it will give it a heroic effort. I look yes. at this. I can adjust my. I've got sliders here where I can adjust my shields, weapons, and engines. This reminds me of like Wing Commander, where you had to manage your energy resources. Yep. yep. It's an interesting game. Okay, I have no idea what I'm doing at this point, but uh, that's fine. Another mouse-driven, another mouse-driven game. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, I'm sure there's a out there somewhere for it. Do we know it anybody is. who's working on a mouse adapter at, the, at any time, David? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I think there is a driver for Serial Mouse on OS nine. Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah, David's working yeah, so. on a PS two to uh, Coco uh, mouse adapter. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days podcast. I just love me some Coco, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Coco Talk. 
Where can you turn to find the latest news and information about the Tandy Color Computer? Only one place, the Coco Crew Podcast. Join Neil Blanchard and John Linville each month as they scan the internet and social media for the latest stories about the Tandy Color Computer, Compatibles, and other 6809-based computers. It's the Coco Crew Podcast. Visit www.cococrew.org and begin listening today. Well, I've got to drop off of here. Okay. Thanks for, hey, thanks for stopping in, Barry. It was good to hear from you. We haven't heard from you in a while, and it was nice to have some input on OS 9. And I look forward to when your time permits to get some of these links, and I'll be happy to share them. I will I will be sending them over to you. Okay. All right. Well, later, later guys. Okay, Bye, Barry. Barry. Okay. How do I load some utilities into MultiView, Curtis? Well, no, I said you could show some of them, like there's the calendar and the... How do I do that? Is that the uh, G shell? Yeah. Okay. Well, my fonts are screwed up in G shell, but it is probably still going to work, right? Okay. Calculator. So these are kind of like widgets. Yeah. Yeah. See, my this screen? is your. This I is where you can the... place it and then resize it to whatever size you want your calculator to be. Ah. Okay. Now, can I actually type on the keyboard too and not have to use my mouse? I honestly can't remember. <laughs> okay, so if I do five, yeah, it does read that. And then plus five, enter. Equals maybe? Equals 10. There we go. Okay, so five plus five equals 10, for those of you who were not aware of that. Okay. Now, and it's a hex calculator, too, which is handy. Oh, neato, hex. Okay. Um, and if you go back to the... Uh, <laughs> Jerry Adams says, window, you, can, you can pick one of the other utilities and put it beside the calculator somewhere, too. Okay, how do I do that? Just go back to back. View. Oh, or. Okay, so for example, like Calendar. Calendar, I think, is a full screen app, if I remember, or pretty close to it. It wants a minimum size. That's what that little thing was. Okay. Month, month, 07. The day is 22, the year is 2017. Oh, this is actually supporting four digits. Okay, and here we go. Today is the 22nd, and we're showing up in red. How do you like that? Yeah, and then you can can't, edit little notes and stuff. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. Can't do this with the modern computer people. <laughs> uh, I mean, personally, I would pick a different set of colors. I would use the grayscale. 3D look, that's I think looks the best. Yeah, I don't know how to do you, that. You the control panel if you wanted to see what it looks like. I got the Tandy symbol back at least. Getting this joystick to... Yeah, they kind of high-res joystick interface, but... All right, so I just I just changed the RGB settings here, or... Yeah, you see the the colors in the bottom there. You can just adjust. So click on the white one, for example. Uh huh. That'll switch to that color. Put those all at ones. Okay. Yeah, uh, bluish purple one. Uh huh. Set those twos. And click the okay. red one. And do set all the way, threes. All the all the way to the top, huh? That's the way I usually run it. 
Okay. Now, how do I get back to the 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 little widgets I had open before? Uh, the Tandy menu. Do you have any still running right now, or? I don't know. Hit clear. To, I mean, they're running on a different window. That's why. I think he hit the X, so I think you closed them anyway. How do you? Well, I didn't know how to get out of them. That's probably why. Okay, so for example, uh, so here's the clock widget. I place it over here, for example. Yeah. Okay, here's my clock. Okay, now clear, clear back to multi-view again. Ah. And then go select another widget. Probably okay. uh, we'll pick uh, calculator. Okay. You can put and resize that too if you want. Okay. Yeah, the gray on black is horrific, but that's okay. All right. Okay. Just to so, show you, uh, we were talking about that uh, that that font that has the 106 columns. Actually, it is he does have it installed because it's working. Because if you take a look when you go to the calendar, or sorry, calendar, the clock and um, calculator screen, the active app, if it's highlighted, will have a thicker font. That's a standard 80 column font, and the inactive okay. one will have a little thinner 106 column font. Okay, so I can't now, um, I can't put the calendar on the same screen as this, but now can I move these guys around? Uh, no, not. No, can't move them. That's one of the things we need to rewrite. Okay, so this is now, is this, this is technically called multi-view because I can switch between um, the normal G-shell. I can't get back to the normal. Multi-view is the high-level menu handling part of it, like all the drop-down menus and stuff, that's all built in. And G-shell itself. Okay, I can't seem to get back to the normal G shell screen right now. I still have this. This yeah, still trying to do that. There's a I way to tell it to go to a different screen. Is it space bar? Like when you go to the one that has the yeah trading space. Execution oh, okay. terminated. Press any key. There we go. Okay, so now I should be able to clear through. Okay, so here is now looking at some like widgets, uh, clock in a calendar. This is kind of desk matey right now. Looking at this kind of crap. Um, speaking of DeskMate, did they make DeskMate for OS 9? Yes. Actually, it only runs on OS 9. There's a Cocoa 1 and 2 version and a Cocoa 3 version. I wonder if that's on his hard drive. I don't know. And if so, where, where would it be? Apps, maybe? Sure. I, I didn't make this drive image, so I have no idea where he's got anything. Come on, you and Bill are partners. You should know this kind of shit, right? All right, so we got Dynaspell, Publisher, Illustrator, Profile... DL logo. Oh, there's Dale Layer logo. Yeah, um, another programming one. Desk. That might be Deskmate right there. Yeah. I don't know if it runs in a graphics screen or if it runs in a VDG screen. I honestly don't remember. All right. So now I have to do a DIR CMDS to see what I have to launch here for this thing here. It's kind of scary. I'm already starting to think like OS 9. I just type in desk. Okay. Deskmate error. If retries, okay. Press any key to retry. Okay. Press break to abort. Okay. No, nope, not working for whatever reason. Maybe it's the video, whatever. Yeah. I, okay. I, like I said, I'd have to see how he had it set up. And I know he didn't get everything fixed in there that he wanted Right, to. yeah. I, one of the things I wanted to respond to is that Jerry Adams says, I want to see an OG dial-in to a B. I want to see OG dial-in to a BBS. <laughs> <laughs> I've done, I did. I grew up on BBSs, man. Yep, um, me too. So. Um, now, one of the things that uh, I have done this, but it's been four or five years since I've done it, but with the uh, DriveWire and the current um, Nitrous 9, you can Telnet 
and do the multi-users via that. So therefore, oh, right, yeah. so you can actually get multi-user from people remotely logging into your real Cocoa or emulator. So okay. you can actually run Nitrous 9 in an emulator like VCC with CPU cycle limiting turned off. So that way it's running as fast as the PC could run. <laughs> and you could have the OS 9 environment that way. So all kinds That's of interesting. Toys. Jerry Adams was asking for Deskmate. Do we have to close all the other windows? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I never really, I ran Deskmate on a 10D1000. That's why yeah, I I'm trying to remember because it either, it, there was something hard coded in Deskmate, and I can't remember if it needed to run off a VDG window or if you had to run it from term. Because there was a couple of the old programs that were kind of designed to run off term only. So if you're running it from W1 or W2, it had no idea what to do. But I don't remember. I haven't used Deskmate in years, so I couldn't tell you. Okay. Well, I mean, I think we've done a decent job on introducing people to OS 9 and showing some of its capabilities. This is not meant to answer every single question, and it's not meant to be super technical, but I think it's a, a fairly good overview um, of what the operating system looks like. And what we hope to be able to provide in the future will be links to where you can download some plug-and-play images. And when those become available, I'll put them on my website, ogstevieshow.com. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll look forward to more OS 9 talks in the future uh, where we can show more things off. And, and so, you know, I've got some of my pet projects right now. Right now I'm trying to finish my basic program using extended color basic. I want to do an assembly language uh, product at some point in time as well. When I've done a few projects in RS-DOS, I do want to try a few projects in uh, OS 9. I would love to play with basic 09 just a little bit. Um, <laughs> Jerry says it's way better than Windows 10. <laughs> the updates don't crash it as often. <laughs> so, um, so I, yeah, I would like to try to like maybe convert one of my programs I wrote in BASIC to run in BASIC 09. And I would like to try, once I've learned how to assemble the hard way, maybe to, do, to assemble something in OS 9 because it's probably going to be easier. Like we mentioned, being able to pipe your output to a different window and kind of yeah. watch what you're doing while you're working on it. Whereas on a, on a normal RS-DOS situation, we don't have the debug capability like you have in MAME. But with OS 9, you might achieve some level of that visibility into your debugging while you're working on your code. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. Just out of curiosity, just one quick little thing here. What are you, You're running about five, six, seven, eight, nine programs right now? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Right now, I have this program running right now, which is the uh, whatever that is. Zone Runner. Uh, yeah. Zone Runner. Okay. Now I have these widgets here. Okay. Um, and then I have uh, Rogue. Then I have G Shell, and then I have a command prompt. Okay. Type in M Free. M F R E E. Okay. Eighty K free out of my five twelve. Yeah. Or, or and you're, it, remember, you're running graphics windows, which are taking 32k each for several of your games and stuff too. So. Okay. But it's it's very it, like it, OS9 was based on Unix and and is you know the subdirectories and and data path directories and command execution directories is all based on Unix and Linux too. But it is much more memory efficient than the original versions of Unix were, and this okay. kind of proves a point because I mean you're using probably 120k just for screens, hmm. like the raw data for the screens. Never mind the programs all running so. Pretty neat. All right. Well, again, we have not heard a lot from Nick Morentis, so we really need to hear the leading uh, nation's <laughs> leading authority on OS9. 
I think he really liked the hex calculator. It'd be handy for his programming. I have a real calculator here that does that. <laughs> I don't need to boot up. I was nine to do that. <laughs> Hello, this is Grant Leedy with Coco Talk. Got your Coco 3 yet? Some people have big plans after school. You know what Elliot's going to do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack. But, Nick, you could be assembling in one window while you're uh, creating graphics in another. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh, that's what the Amiga's for. All right, okay. Actually, that's a good point, because the Amiga, when the Coco was on level 2 and the multitasking, multi-user window stuff, the only thing at the time, because, I mean, Mac was basically you know competitive task switching, Windows was on version 1, which... If anybody's ever seen it, I don't think it did true multitasking either. The only other operating system that did was the Amigos. And that required a full 16-bit CPU. Yeah, but ran a lot faster. Well, of course it would. It was an 8 megahertz minimum machine with 16-bit and 32-bit registers. And we were talking... You know, Yeah. That was a good generation or two past. So, um, and it was a lot easier to use in OS 9. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was, that was interesting to read that thing that they were thinking about putting OS 9 on an Atari ST. What, what could have should have would have eventually? They did eventually. Okay. There was an Amiga version too. There was also a Mac version. Okay. And because, because all of them were like on a 68,000, which was basically just the big brother to the 6809, I would imagine there were some. Uh, when it came to writing the code, there were some similarities, so they didn't have to like start from ground zero when they had to build it, right? Yeah, there, I mean, there was some of the the core code was based on the same core code. There was a version of Basic 9 for OSK that also had some extra features, but basically you could take basic programs and almost not have to change anything and they'd run. Okay, so uh, OSK meant OS9 for the 68,000. 8,000, yeah. Okay, so, whereas instead of the 6800 series that the 6809 yeah. is based on. Yeah, and you then never the saw it on the Amiga, though. What's that? I, I'm not aware of it ever coming out on the Amiga. It, it was in no Europe. It was in Europe. I actually have seen it running. Yeah, no one, no one talks about it. Well, no, I mean, uh, Amiga had their own OS that was quite popular already. So did uh, yeah. the Atari ST. I mean, even OS 9000, which ran on PCs and Deck Alphas, same thing. I mean, I I've seen it running, but uh, you're not going to compete with the main one that the main hardware manufacturers supporting themselves. Not too many people, unless they're so, controlling microcontrollers or doing something weird, would, would get into that. Right. Whereas, unlike Radio Shack, the, the Coco didn't really have an operating system. Systems. So, Well, that's why more Cocos use RS-DOS. Right. So, but but I guess the point, the point being, there is no other operating system to compete with with OS 9 on the Coco. No. Not, not really. RS-DOS, I wouldn't call well, it. RS-DOS, really, because well, when you turn your computer on, RS-DOS and most applications are, that people use are RS-DOS. All right. Well, we have, we have reached the two-hour point of Coco Talk, which is about the normal average length. Um, do we want to 
we, we can talk about a few more things, but do we want to put the OS nine discussion to bed now? Have, yeah, have we, we should yeah. just bound to do just do a general overview what it's capable, a little bit of the history, a little bit of the unwritten history that never happened because of Tandy canceling the Coco three. Right. Um, just more have, mentions, just introduction. What is it and what does it do? Have we beat this one to death? I have one question. <laughs> okay, Grant. Uh, basic 09. I mean, is that basically programming in basic for the uh, OS 9? Yeah. It's, it's a lot more extended in some ways. You have co complete access to all the system calls in the, in the operating system itself, so you can do all kinds of stuff. Um, it's also much faster than RS DOS Basic because it's got you know integer variables as well as floating point and boolean variables and complex well, type structures, compile. all kinds of stuff. And you can compile it, sort of. It's more like JavaScript compile or Java compile. It's not a full compile to assembly, but it's kind of an intermediate thing. And then then you can have basic programs that call other basic programs. Yeah, or C programs or assembly programs or all kinds of stuff. Cool. Thank you. All right. Mark says he's got to go. Thanks, Mark. All right. So before we end Coco Talk, do you guys want to see um, the Coco 3 version of Bomb Threat, which I looked at for the first time today? Sure. Certainly. All right. So we're going to switch this one. runs right? <laughs> that it does. So here's what I am going to show you. Let's see if I also have the... Um, oh, that's nice, clean, and crisp. Okay. There. Okay. Let me show you this right now. What you're looking at here, this is the RGB mode for bomb threat running on a Coco 3. So you see the reds and blues, right? Yep. Now, when I uncheck this box, what we're looking at now is the composite mode on the same Coco 3 coming out with exactly the same colors. So he is able to not have to switch the RGB palette between RGB and composite and get the proper red and blue colors on both RGB and composite. Yeah, I think your capture card does twist it a little bit because we're getting those little vertical stripes, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's going to look proper on the real screen. Yes, yes. And so um, let me turn up the volume a little bit. So yeah, and so there is, and there's also a difference. So I'm gonna show you first what it looks like on the um, on the RGB. Can you guys hear it? Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. So of course now I've got to move my joystick. Or let me just move to my Black Beauty. Okay. So I want to wait for a bomb to explode, and you're gonna see what I'm talking about here. Okay. Do you see how when the bombs explode, how the screen just turns white? Yep. Okay. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch over to the RF capture mode. And when the bombs explode, do you see how the screen just shook like that? You see the screen shaking? Kind of. I don't think we're getting enough frames to see it properly. Okay, so what happens in the... Um, wow, this Black Beauty joystick is really crappy. Um... What happens when the bomb explodes is the screen actually kind of goes out of sync and shakes. And that only happens on the composite mode. And um, I discovered that today when I was recording my video that will be public in a little while. Um, this explosion effect here is actually pretty cool. And, and I, don't, I don't even think Rick was aware of it because it doesn't show up in uh, MAME when you do it. 
So it has something to do with the composite signaling and how that is um, kind of screwing with the screen a little bit. But it reminds me of Canyon Climber. Okay. You know, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you completed that level, the screen shook. So yeah. So I just thought that was kind of cool. I've actually recorded a full gameplay video of it. And so is, I'll is have that, that. Is that your capture card doing that maybe? Is it the card doing it? I don't know. I'll try yeah, it on a. I'll try it on a, on a. I'll try it on a TV. That's yeah, a good I'd point. Have, I never thought of that. It could be. I, yeah, I have to try it on an actual TV. But for for my sake, it was a very cool fringe benefit to see the screen shake during explosions because it adds a sense of realism to it. You know, like the bomb is literally shaking my freaking television set. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, so there's a little peek at um, Bomb Threat running in RGB mode on a Coco 3. I've got a full gameplay video that I will um, release uh, in just a little bit, and so that'll come out. And yeah, the the, um, the artifact colors, the red and blue colors in RGB mode look really good. It looks like your normal orange and blue colors. And so that's... Yeah, that's kind of another fringe benefit to doing this now, because when he did this in 1984... We didn't know the Color Computer 3 existed yet. So there's no way the original version could have supported an RGB mode on a computer that technically wasn't known to the public, you know? Um, so that is kind of cool that we're getting that now. Yeah. Yeah, and Jerry Adams says, if it wasn't a feature before, maybe Rick will add it, right? And so, yeah, so that's the one thing is that, you know, the one downside, I guess, to to developing on an emulation is that you really aren't able to know about um, weird things like the gimme sparkle and some just weird nuances that only occur on real hardware. You know, there's no way to tell about, uh, uh, for example, like an RF signaling refresh issue that causes screen shake. There's no way to know that on an emulator because you're not dealing with uh, the actual RF output of the thing that I am seeing now. So um, I guess in a perfect world, you would, for convenience, you would develop on your emulator because it's faster and stuff, but then you would want to have real hardware to test on as test well. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know if Rick has a Coco yet, but I've offered to give him one in the past and I'm going to extend that offer again. So <laughs> I will donate one of my Cocos to Rick if it'll help him. If possible, um, give him a Coco 3 because I'd really like to see him do a new Coco 3 game. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even have a 6.09 in it. I would like to see him make a 6.09 Coco 3 game. That would be kind of cool. The world would benefit from that, right? And Rick and Nick would have some competition. <laughs> <laughs> Get to the chopper! <laughs> Are you still recording? Yes. <laughs> Well, of course, we got to get all these good comments on recorded right. video. <laughs> so since we're kind of in the behind-the-scenes mode here, I'll show you one more thing, too. I will show you guys the... Um, I'll show you the ending of my video of me escaping Bedlam. I just need to find it right now. I think it's... Oh, wow. So I've got a total of about 40 minutes in those two clips. So that's definitely going to require some editing. So... Can, all right, so let me switch the screen over. Um, can you guys see it? Yep. Yep. All right, so I'm going to fast forward to just about the end. Okay, there we go. 
So right to so this is me playing Bedlam and, and, and I did it in two different segments and of course there's a lot of me going back and forth just being stupid and confused that I can hopefully edit out. But right now these two clips are we're looking at about 40 minutes. And so this is the one thing where I'm just not sure how well a text adventure is going to translate to a, a watchable video on YouTube. But again, anybody who's watching Coco stuff, we're a different breed anyways, I guess. But I do want to... Maybe I'll break it into sections or something. But so this is a yet to be edited, yet to be released video that will eventually show up on YouTube. So world premiere here, people. East West Hallway. Okay, I gotta go west. You can voice it over with the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger's hallway in the north there's a green door. Picasso enters. Okay, on the north wall is one of Picasso's painted doors, which is closed. Oh my goodness, and now Picasso's door looks open. The painted door opens and you reveal an escape route. You have escaped. Wow. Okay. Well, that... So there you have it. That is me escaping Bedlam. And this is the first time I've played Bedlam, and I can't tell you how long. So, um... That video has been recorded. I got to figure out how to edit it to make it as, um, you know, as short as possible. Hi, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're listening to Coco Talk, the nation's leading weekly live talk show about the Tandy Color Computer. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. And we'll see how that goes. We'll see how... We'll see what the demand is and, and the view count is for a text adventure. Like my Coco, my Coco uh, arcade games get an average of like 100 <laughs> views, right? So Pac-Man's gotten 100 views. Um, how many views will Bedlam get? It's hard to say, you know? So to be determined what the audience is, is for this. But I guess who is the audience for any of this? If it's a retro game, it's somebody who's nostalgic for it. So if somebody's nostalgic for Bedlam, will they watch some jackass play bedlam we'll 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 see <laughs> um one of the things i would like to do at some point in time too i know we've talked about this before is to kind of like do a live stream where we crowdsource this where we get a few of us together putting our heads together trying to figure out what to do get some people watching giving us some tips and suggestions and stuff too so if we're trying to play something like Pyramid or Madness in the Minotaur or one or Rocket or one of the or Infocom more, games or something yeah one like of the too. more um, one of the more ed, uh, in depth ones to get a bunch of people to, playing together might make it more interesting because then it becomes a kind of a, a community event you know uh, Jerry Adams says that Bedlam is equals the best game of 1982 so. <laughs> I disagree because Daggerath came out at the end ah, of the year too. Dungeons of Daggerath and one I need to get back to as well that's that's a life goal is to beat Dungeons of Daggerath too I know I rage quit on that a few times we need to get back to that <laughs> one day so <laughs> so you use Aristos games and what happens you rage quit so you just better stick with Nitrous Nine Yes, because the game's <laughs> Actually, run so... Actually, it was cartridge. There wasn't a horror disc basic at that point. It was ROM-based, right? So, 
Well, it took place of the disk basic ROM, so kind of yes. is. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but I was starting you get the rage quit before you even start the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it, it takes takes longer because you have to wait for it to boot. Well, as long as he doesn't rage quit and cause the cartridge to pop out and fry his CPU. <laughs> right. Actually, a bit of trivia I'll just add in. I don't remember the exact month we first released version one, but uh, this year is the 25th anniversary of Nitrous 9. Oh, wow. That's, it's old enough to date now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry Adams says, best text game of 1982 for uh, Bedlam. Yeah, there's something unique about Bedlam where, where as a lot of the other text adventure games were a much more larger scale. Um, bigger, bigger world to explore. This was a very finite, boxed-in room. But what I thought was unique about it was the number one, the premise. You, you, you're taking place in an insane asylum. That in itself is just very creative. You know, um, the fact that the solutions are random each time you play. That's different than most of your adventure games, which were very linear for the most part, you know? Um, there was no, you didn't have to keep score, you didn't have to get treasure, you didn't have to necessarily fight any monsters. It was just figure out how to survive and escape. So it was kind of interesting. And 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 you had this whole cast of characters where you had Napoleon Bonaparte and you had Pablo Picasso and the great Houdini who's always trying to escape and says, I'll get out of here in just a minute. Don't help me. I'll get this, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't come across the guy with the x-ray glasses, but supposedly there's somebody who thinks he has x-ray vision. Yes. Um, I didn't come across that person in my game. And then there's the, the doctor wearing the bloody um, medical gown and carrying a syringe who gives you a... Uh, uh, a frontal lobotomy, you know, and then there's the nurse who, who says she looks like she's a part of the dirt roller derby, you know, and just a big mean nurse and stuff. So it's a really interesting world they create. Um, the text adventures were very much the theater of the mind. You had to imagine where you are. It was interactive fiction, which kind of drew me to that. Um, and this one was very, I, I think, very much more fleshed out with characters than a lot of other um, text adventures necessarily were so there was there were a lot of very cool and unique things about this particular one um, and so yeah we're looking forward to seeing how this video does what the public response to it is and then hopefully um, the doctor dopes me up every time I run into it <laughs> then I run into a wall is what Jerry Adams says <laughs> doctor says because once he once he gets you it just says yes you suddenly feel like wandering you know and then you typed in what was a plug or plug or however you pronounce that P L U G H was your command to unlobotomize yourself and stuff so um, he's still talking about I was nine <laughs> there's Nick Morantis. <laughs> Somebody woke him up. So, <laughs> yeah, you just ha had to say lobotomize. <laughs> so, you, you, um, you've been in any of those institutions lately, Nick? <laughs> no, no, no. Just the last time you made a boot file. Yeah, o OS nine will send you to Bedlam. OS nine people go <laughs> when, they, when they burn out. You call it a sane asylum. We call it a Nitrous Nine Programmer's Retirement Home. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I actually have a uh, OS nine question about the C compiler. Oh, okay. Uh, does it have to be? I know there's a patch for the uh, for to do the DD driver, but is there any other patches that are needed for Nitrous Nine or to take advantage of the sixty three oh nine? Um. 
Well, the C compiler call, calls the RMA assembler, and the RMA assembler does have a 639 version called R63. I don't know if anybody has patched the C compiler itself to actually be intelligent enough to use the 639 commands. I, it wasn't when I last worked on it. We were just you new know, adding the, the ANSI preprocessor and some of the other stuff that was out commercially available or freely available. Um, I don't know if, if in the last you know, 10, 15 years since I was off of it, whether they've done any further updates to it. David, do you know? Nope. No, they haven't. The last no, time, no, no. <laughs> no, I I don't know because the last time I did any um, any C programming in OS nine is when it was still the full OS nine stuff. That was before I even had Nitrous nine. Okay. So maybe Bill will know because maybe he's he's been a bit more active on the developer side of, of Nitrous nine itself lately. He might he might know, but unfortunately he's too busy today. Yeah, it would have been nice to have Bill on the call. But, yeah, it was definitely good having Curtis here and even David Ladd, dare I say it. Um, so. <laughs> and, and Nick, because he's the head of the Nitrous 9 users yes. group. So Nitrous 9 fan club president, Nick Marentis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so have we beat this one to death? Yes, I hear lunch calling. You hear lunch calling, okay. Well, I want to thank everybody who was here um, in the past and in the present. Let me go back through the text chat real quick and acknowledge everybody there. So we started off with Richard Lorbieski, Jerry Adams, Davey Mitchell, Steve Powell, um, Jerry Adams. Did I say Jerry Adams already? Curtis Boyle was in there. Richard Cavell was in there. Um, uh, who else? Uh, William Carlin was in here. Sixy. Uh, Karen was here, and uh, No Dave Lander. Mitchell? Who was that? Davy Mitchell. Davy Mitchell. Yeah, I think I mentioned him at least twice. Sixty Karen, Davy Mitchell, William Carlin was here in the chat. No, uh, Norlander, Solstice came by. Steve Powell came by. Nuke Junkie came by. Um, a lot of chatter from Jerry Adams, and so yeah. So yeah, thank you all for being here, and uh, another great Coco talk, and a history has been made. Uh, not only did I spend more than two hours playing with uh, Nitrous 9, I didn't rage quit once, and, um, and we talked about it, and I can say at least I have an appreciation for it now that I've seen it and touched it and played with it. I have an appreciation for it. Will I use it frequently? Probably not, but I am looking forward to this plug-and-play hard drive. Um, that we can all mess around with. So I'm definitely looking yeah, forward to getting some of Barry Nelson's images and a few other images that perhaps Curtis and David and Bill Noble can work on. Um, bring us some of the latest tools and some of the latest optimizations and things like that. Um, one of the things I remember doing back in the days of DOS is I would have like a, a config sys file that I could choose different different startup modes. Like Because sometimes you needed more drivers for your CD-ROMs and for different things like that. And sometimes you didn't need as many drivers and certain DOS games needed more conventional RAM than others. So I had custom auto-exec and custom config sys files when I booted so I could choose like configuration A, B, and C depending on what I needed for either fully loaded drivers or really, you know, maximum stripped RAM, stripped down RAM. Is there a way to do something like that in OS 9 where you can have yes, custom there boot is. options? There, there are utilities you can link what boot file you want to be active on the drive, on a hard drive even. Mm -hmm. I think it was BUtil is the one I used to use all the time. But you would just say BUtil, okay, use my Sierra boot. Mm -hmm. And it would just relink that file. You hit reset and it would reboot right up into that version. 
And oh, then, but it wouldn't be interactive at boot time. Well, you you could make it a menu to to pick one. Yeah, you could just have a little batch file that you run, and it just says select. You know, you want a Sierra boot, you want a level one and two game compatible boot, you want multi view or whatever. You could do it that way too. Okay, it would just run that butil in the background. So yeah, I mean, on the one hand, do you want people to learn this? Yes, but I think the people who are gonna who want to learn are gonna learn it anyways. But on the other hand, I think if we had to pick a greater good, if we could make a plug and play, quote unquote, user friendly OS nine um, boot image, I think it would get it in more hands and get more people to you know mess around with it and see where they want to go from there. From there, the the curious ones will say, okay, well, how do I do this myself and how do I make my own boot options and stuff? But um, and I'm not, I'm not, I hate to use the word dumb it down, but I think user friendly is, well, they kind of mean the same thing, but yeah, <laughs> it's less politically incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the limitations we had back in the day is that a lot of people still had 128K Kogos and floppy right. drives with 35 or 40 tracks, and you can't mm -hmm. do a really good boot using that, right. period. Right. End of discussion. So now that we basically, you can just assume you're going to have a Coco STC with 120 meg hard drive image. You can have all the commands already on there instead of picking and choosing which ones you can fit. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also assume 512K, I think, these days, because people, even if they don't have 512K, can run an emulator. So we can now just presume 512K and a hard drive with 128 meg free is the baseline. Mm -hmm. Then you can start pre-installing all kinds of stuff and not have to worry about all this weird... I think we can make a master boot that should cover like 99% of everything. And okay. then if people want, you know, custom, they might have a multi-pack with some custom hardware that most other people don't have. They can fiddle with making, you know, adjustments. Yeah. Um, one of the things I did with my boot, um, I just figured um, making the term being the VDG right off the bat and then loading loading it that way. So that way I've always got the VDG there. And then my other windows are the 80 column. That way I don't have to worry about doing multiple boots. Yeah. In my case, uh. I have V2 is my default VDG windows. Because you can have more than one on, on, on level 2 Nitrous 9. You can actually have up to 7 or 8 VDG windows and 16 regular windows. And have, Bruce, you've been here for a while. You haven't had much to say. You got anything you want to say or ask about Nitrous 9? Uh, no, I'm just uh, just taking it in while I'm coding my Forest of Doom here. It's all good. That's cool. Uh, John Mark Mobley, 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 like probably, yep, is here. He says, Coco Talk is live. Yeah, it's been live for two and a half hours now. It's about to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome, John. We're glad to have you here. We just wrapped up our um, introduction to Nitrous 9. And we got a couple other sneak peeks at a few other things, too some world exclusives um yeah good times so i think we beat this one to death i think this has probably opened the door and for more people to hopefully be interested in this and maybe we get some more people with some uh additional expertise join us in a future call where we'll do you know we'll take it some more in-depth stuff down the road maybe the next time we talk about this is when we have the standard image yeah. And we'll, we'll revisit this when that standard image is available and we'll have all the links to that image and we'll, dem we'll demo that particular image. And that image will be free of things like drive wire dependencies and things like that. And so it'll be kind of stock vanilla, um, good emulator and uh, SDC uh, friendly image um, and then take it from there. Um, yeah, I think that's the best idea because we're still dealing like, you know, 
I've got one version, Bill's got a different version, Barry's got a different version. So it's if we can amalgamate and get the you know, most up-to-date stuff of all the different utilities and stuff that other people are completely missing. I mean, if people are familiar with, with Linux or Linux, however you want to pronounce it, I mean, there's some of the ports of stuff like LS and stuff that you can run too if that's if that's more your what you're familiar with and you'd prefer to have. You don't have mm-hmm. to use the built-in more DOS-like ones too. So Can you create an alias to a command where dir and ls work exactly the same? Um, not technically, though you can copy it and just rename it. Okay, or create like it's a It's not batch. like Windows where it doesn't let you open two of the same name file. Okay. You can just rename it quickly and, and load it in, so. So you could like copy dir space ls and you've got now a command that's called ls? Yeah. Though that might get confusing when you get the real ls, which is a full-blown colored directory utility and stuff, but. Oh, Okay. Now, are there things kind of like um, the Linux command chmod where you can change uh, ownerships and permissions and things like that, or does yep. it even get that heavy? Attributes. Uh, like the and chmod and things like that? Yeah, like remember when we did the proc and you had the user number, that were all zeros because you're the super user when you default in, but if you right. had other people logging, you can create ones that are different user numbers. And in fact, you can make it so that the owner can read and write to it, but uh, a non-owner, some other user, can only read it. They can't delete it. They can't modify so it. So there is way. there is a file system with permissions Permission. built into it. Yes. Permission based uh, file Not level security. File you can set, um, which basically means only one program can ever access it at a time. That's not the default. Um, and then you have owner read write execute permissions, and you have public read write execute permissions. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, this has got me interested not only in Nitrous 9 and OS 9, but it's also got me interested in what to wanting to expand my Linux understanding a little bit better, too, because I'm sure there are some parallels and similarities. Yeah. And if I'm going to be going down a um, command prompt ra- rabbit hole, uh, as much as it would be nice to know more about OS 9, it's a little bit more applicable to learn some Linux skills that apply to the current world we're in as well, too. So uh, maybe I'll mess around and learn some more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, there are some similarities, and there's some utilities, like I said, that were designed around the Unix-style ones, which is the Linux stuff, right. that uh, if you if you want to stay familiar with that more, so you can actually just start using those. There's lots mm-hmm. of ways cool. in the cat in, in Nitrous 9. Okay. So before we close Coco Talk, uh, does anybody have uh, either somebody who's in the call or who's somebody who's watching, do we have any suggestions or requests on what we should talk about next week? Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. Something new is coming. Tandy Assembly. Tandy Assembly is about Radio Shack and Tandy Computers. Tandy Assembly is about interacting. Tandy Assembly is about people. Tandy Assembly is about fun. The first gathering of its kind. Computers of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. All Radio Shack and Tandy makes and models. Join Join us. us. Don't miss Tandy Assembly. In Chillicothe, Ohio. October 7th and 8th. Whether you're near or far. Tandy Assembly is for everyone. Visit our webpage at www.tandyassembly.com. Tandy Assembly. think of it <laughs> I, one thing we didn't talk about this time we might as well save it for next week because this is already getting to be a really long show is ed snyder's uh, updates to his media player running on okay. the cool guys to see yeah yeah 
And Nick, will you have any, maybe next week, some updates to share with us on Gunstar, perhaps? Updates on your mute button? <laughs> or uh, Bruce Moore, any, any updates you can share with us next week, perhaps on Forest of Doom? Well, it's chugging right along. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what I got ready by then. Okay. Any teaser clips we can maybe look at? Some world premiere of a teaser clip or something? Or I'll I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. Okay. <laughs> if, if not, and, next and week. And when is the OS9 version coming out? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you can port it for me. I don't know. Um, yeah, I might take you up on that if I had time. Okay. Yeah, if you have time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, William Carlin says, uh, Steve, thanks for bringing everyone together. It's been very informative. I also want to extend my thanks to everyone who called in and participated in the chat. Likewise, William. Um, glad to have you here. Uh, yeah. All right. So, well, I'm, you know, the great thing is, is that something, um, something will happen between now and there's, there's a few things that happened today too, which I didn't even get into, like the warehouse that's caught on fire and the computer club that's lost all of its earthly possessions, which is pretty tragic. And maybe we'll wait for, um, you know, next week to have an update on how all that worked out in the end. Um, uh, Norlander says you could talk about the latest hardware upgrades for the Coco. Uh, that's always something to do. Ed Snyder stuff is always good to talk about. Um, so yeah, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. And then in the meantime, for those of you who do watch Coco Talk, you can either reach out to me via email or you could leave a comment on any of the videos too. So this is going to be available later to replay. Leave a comment on suggestions for future Coco Talks as well and all that kind of good stuff. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for being here, Curtis and David and Grant. And this was Grant's suggestion. So I guess we can thank Grant for suggesting we talk about OS9 and Richard Lorbieski and Nick Morentes, the head of the OS9 fan club, Bruce Moore, um, Rick, Rick, um, Rick Adams was here earlier. Barry Nelson was here earlier. Richard Cavell was here earlier. Um, I don't remember everybody else who was on the call. I'm old. I forget things. Uh, but it's all good. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, and look for the bomb threat video to be released later today. And look for, hopefully, this weekend later on to the um, Bedlam video. And I'm really curious to see how people um, react to that to help gauge future um, productions of text adventures to see you know what the response is from that. So that'll be interesting. Um, good stuff. All right, we are signing off. Coco forever. Gameplay goodness. Oh, you know what? Let's do one more thing before we before we go. Let's look at the Tandy Assembly website and see if anything else has updated here. Um, when oh, we I do go have to... a couple of updates on that one too. So okay, so right uh, now the main speakers are still the same: Scott Adams, Don French, and Lance Miklas. When we look at exhibitors, we have Steve Strobridge. That's me. We have Mike Rowan. We have Richard Lorbieski of Boysen Tech. Look at that beautiful, it looks like a tree, a circuit tree growing. Uh, it's like an organic technological thing. That is really cool. Um, Peter and Alex Satinsky, Mark Marlette and Sandy Weimer of Cloud9, Peter Bartlett and Malcolm Ramey, Randy Kindig, Retro Innovations, Ian Maverick coming all the way down from Australia. That is so cool. And Brendan Donahue with the Coco VGA project. That's great. To see that so that's been updated uh, go ahead richard hit us oh okay uh number one is i'm going to be a sponsor of uh, coco assembly i just got the email from them and 
I'm also going to be doing a, a speaker topic about uh, update or options for video uh, with the RGB, uh, especially the SCART cable. And I'm okay. also going to include like the uh, VGA to or uh, RGB to VGA conversion that Ed, I'm going to talk to Ed Snyder about that. So also include that and also composite video and try to de demystify and help people, you know, uh, come up with uh, try to come up with some kind of, uh, you know, clear the confusion and, and see what people can use uh, for their uh, Cocoa 1s, 2, and 3s. Okay. That's much needed, much appreciated. I saw um, Bruce Moore had posted some pictures of him connecting his Cocoa 3 with your SCART to HDMI umbilical cord there. So that is pretty cool. That was based on Barry Nelson's design? Uh, yes. And, and um, I'm going to uh, modify it just slightly a little bit more I, I i was meaning to send a second version to bruce but uh i came up with some more ideas and i said i'm going to hold off on this and i'm also uh the the uh, conversion the hdmi conversion box uh the ones that have been coming out of china it's kind of a hit and miss and so mm. i'm waiting yep. for one i just got one in uh, yesterday and i want to test it out thoroughly so before i uh, send it to uh Bruce, uh, you, know, you know you know what they say about HDMI converters that come from China, don't you? Yes. What? Fifteen minutes later, you want another one? Yes. <laughs> uh, that's a bad Chinese food joke. Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but we're um, loving the cable you already sent, Richard. It's it is continuing to work, and we're having a lot of fun with it. Thanks. Oh, cool. So let me ask you a couple dumb questions about that. Um, does is it? Can your SCART cable to HDMI, can we get audio through that as well where we don't need to use a secondary audio source? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, the, on the, on the uh, SCART box, the, the one that, uh, that I've been getting, has a audio out. So you can, you can hook it up to headphones. You can hook it up to another audio source uh, if you want to. I haven't tried it on. I don't have an HDMI with the uh, audio. I, I haven't tried it out that way, okay. so, but I'm pretty sure um, it'll, it'll work. Richard, you know what? Um, I plugged into another machine over here, and I was like, okay, now I got to plug the audio in, and then the audio was working. And oh, I had was it? Okay. In, so, yeah. So, so the audio work. did come through the HDMI. I was thrilled. So I was confused about this because I'm just trying to remember. Um, did Tandy with the CM8, did they pass audio through their RGB cable where yes. sound came yes. directly? Yes, okay. it did. So that is an analog audio source already in the RGB bundle. Right. Yeah, it's, I it's, think that's pin 6 or pin 7, something like that, I think. Right. It's, that, it's, a, mono, it's a mono signal, and it's, it's the same exact signal that comes out of the back of the uh, Coco 3. So without needing a second set of wires, it's definitely possible to take that RGB feed. Um, now, did SCART support audio? Because I don't know that much about SCART. Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, it, 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 uh, it supports left and right channel. Okay, so SCART, I think David Ladd was telling me, is basically it's an analog version of HDMI. Yes. And the, um, other, the, the other advantage with SCART is that not only could you use the Coco 3, if you have like a Sega Genesis, a Sega NES... Or any of the other systems, you can actually use that as well and okay, hook them up. Okay, because they all had like a stock RGB out as well. Right. Now the pin, the actual connection is different. Most of them had a standard um, standard connection, like the uh, uh, CGA monitors had, didn't they? The CGA and EGA monitors. 
Uh, some of them did. I I don't know. Uh, you know, I'd I'd have to look at them, but they were they were usually the DIN uh, or the ah, DIP connector. Okay, uh, so that cables. could be that could be uh, easily adapted to use your cable. Yes. Or your cable could be adapted to those. Well, it's way. not the cable. It's it's the um, you have to get a different cable, but you would still use the same box. Okay, so that same box that is SCART to HDMI becomes a universal solution. Correct. Okay. Um, now that's cool. And so another thing too, when we were doing my Coco <laughs> repair, Sockmaster, and I don't remember if this was on camera or off camera, but one of the things he was saying was if he had one wish for the Coco 3, he had wished they would have done their composite better because it's just a, you know, it's a shit version of composite basically. Um, true Radio Shack fashion to, to, to save a nickel. So you're talking about composite mods and composite add-ons. How feasible or is it to put a nice, clean, proper composite output on a Coco 3? Um, basically, what what happens on the comp- on the uh, composite going to HDMI? Basically, it's just it's an uh, it's it's an up conversion, and you're going to get the same. You know, once it's kind of crap. You're just up. up well, I'm not talking crap. about converting to HDMI. I'm just talking about converting the or just replacing the crappy Tandy oh, composite oh. with a better modern composite that conforms to the proper signaling and quality standards. It would it would take uh, modding the Coco Three. I mean, it's something that can possibly be done, but I, I just. One of the things I don't really like doing is modifying hardware that way. But I mean, unless okay. you just like plug but, it in. But the uh, Coco Two composite mod is is whatever you would do would be really clean and and a proper output of composite, right? Correct. Okay, I might be interested in, in maybe bringing something to you to have modded. At uh, are you going to be providing any services, any uh, assembly or uh, upgrade mods at? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be driving up there, so I'm going to bring up a lot of my equipment up there. So yes, I'll right. be I'll be able to do that. I might be interested in getting a Coco Two composite modded. So um, cool, cool. Well, things to look for now. When you say you're a sponsor, um, I, obviously that means you're giving them some money. Yes, I'm going to. Okay. Yeah, it's it's you know you have the front banner. You know, it says with the sponsors. You know. Oh, that's neat. Well, that was Let's nice say, of you to do. Plus, they do the commercials, and you know they they throw rose petals when you show up and stuff. Oh, like that. great rose petals! That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, one of the things when I was talking to Mike Rowan, and I was asking, are they going to have like a no minimum bid auction? And they are, but right now the only auction items that we know for sure that will be there would be. Um, whatever they bring themselves. So the basically the founders of Tandy Assembly are donating some of their own personal possessions for the auction to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, and so yeah, I'm going to see what I can find too of some spare things I have to bring to the auction because it's going to be nice to have some of the things that we're used to from Cocoa Fest, but there really is no pipeline for auction inventory like there has been in, in Ohio for years and years and years. You know, I'm sure the club has just got things on shelves that they collect all throughout the year. Um, being that this is the first event, I can't imagine there being a ton of things to auction, but it'd be, I'd be great to be surprised to see a shit ton of things to bid on because I'm driving too, so I'm looking forward to bidding on some stuff. And if I have to get violent to win something, this time I will. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely like to pick up some Model 2, Model 3 stuff. I just don't like having that stuff shipped, Yeah, uh, especially yeah. Model 3 stuff because 
when I worked at Tandy Computer Assembly, no no pun intended there, they had problems with the video uh, tubes actually falling out of the uh, top case when they were shipped. And so wow. I'm just afraid if something like that got shipped, it would crack and break and yeah. have to repair those. So Very, very cool. Well, I, I'm looking forward to Tandy Assembly. I guess I now need to book my room. I mean, I've done all my... Um, everything else, you know, like I've uh, requested to be a speaker as well, and I have an exhibitor table, and so I'm I'm there listed as an exhibitor, and I've, I've paid my dues for the table. But yeah, I guess I now need to call the hotel and reserve my room, um, which uh, I think we still have time, but I might as well do that too. Uh, yeah, and that's great to see Ian Maverick come down from Australia. Maybe hey Nick, maybe you can get a ride with him. <laughs> um, that's kind of cool, though. So I know Ian has done a lot of cool hardware developments for the TRS-80s, um, as like floppy drive converters and controllers and all kinds of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what what he's got going on. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, another Coco Talk is in the bag. Uh, we'll have more things to talk about next week. Um, William Carlin had mentioned we should cover Bill Pierce's M-Shell in Part 2. That project has great potential to be a directory opus for uh, Nitrous 9. Get more into DriveWire 4 as well. So yeah, we got more things to get into. I What I need to do now is I need to order a new USB to serial adapter because all the ones I have are not compatible with Windows 10 or else I would have loved to have just added DriveWire to my computer and had it running and get the real-time clock from DriveWire. But um, thanks to Microsoft, I've got two or three different USB to serial adapters and none of them work anymore. So i got to find one online that's Windows 10 compatible. And yeah, we definitely need to revisit DriveWire um, and do another, you know, better look at DriveWire both on a real Coco and on a virtual Coco. So yeah, good, good suggestion, William Carlin. Thank you. Um, and, and, and another great Cocoa Talk. So we'll go ahead and sign off with my favorite saying, which is you may only be young once, but you can be retro forever. So stay retro, everyone. And we'll see you next week on Cocoa Talk. Thanks, everybody, in the call. Later, all. Later, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cocoa Talk. We certainly hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, why not check us out on the web at cocotalk.live where you can watch video replays of all of our live episodes as well as send us feedback and suggestions for the show. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Until next week, I'm the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. Keep on cocoing. Coco forever. Have a Coco day and bye-bye, everybody. Yeah.